Look at those crazy conspiracy theorists. The world is getting crazier. People are acting more and more insane. The end of the world is tomorrow. 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 There's only one thing to do when the world is falling apart. Listen to Basil and Gonz as they discuss this week's news and events through the lens of Bible prophecy. You are listening to Canary Cry News Talk. You're listening to Canary Cry News Talk. Today is July 24th, 2020, episode 223. And this week, UFO My 5Gs. And I'm not your echo chamber. I am your best buddy, Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome back to another episode of Canary Cry News Talk. Uh, it's episode 223. We're reversing the 322. See what yeah, we're doing there? Number- that number popped up last episode too. Yeah, so two, two, three. It's a thing. Okay, okay. We're undoing the uh, the reverse the curse, baby. Yeah, reverse the curse. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything exciting happen uh, for you the past couple days here, Gons? No, not really. Yeah. No, yeah. me either. I just really took it easy since last episode. I I gotta be honest. This is. Starting to get to me. What, <laughs> the, what's getting to you? The, I don't know, man. The past couple of days, I was just like, you need more I life just, action. You had a pretty exciting thing happen to you that you didn't. You want to tell that story, or are you? You uh, know, I'm going to save that story for a couple of weeks from now. We got to have something to look okay. forward to. Yeah, right. I'm going to okay. give it a little bit of time uh, for certain reasons. Um, and that that was exciting. That was the most exciting thing that's happened. But. Man, this week's, I don't know, man. It's been a hard week for some reason. I, maybe it's all the crazy news. Maybe it's, you know, being five or six months into this quarantine business. Maybe it's just, yeah. maybe it's all of it. I don't know. And I know that p- other people out there are feeling the same way. So just keep in mind, we're all feeling it and we're in it together. Um, yep. yep. That's all I got. Awesome. I'm well, let's just get into it then because we got a lot to go over here. Sounds good. Well, let's start out with a flippy update. Flippy update. Do you want fries with that? That's right. Okay. Flippy is the colloquial name for those who don't know for the disembodied robot arms that you see popping up everywhere, stealing our jobs, enslaving our children and flirting with our spouses. We use Flippy as a a proxy conversation to talk about, you know, just how easily the robots are worming their way into our lives and and uh, taking over. So there you go. Yeah, this one is coming from CNET.com and the article is titled This robot will give you a new haircut if you dare. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Another, another uh, job that is, uh, you know, previously has been reserved for the healing touch of a human being is now being handed over to the robots. The article reads COVID, uh, sorry, with COVID-19 preventing any of us from visiting our favorite salons and barbershops, some of us must attempt to cut our own hair with varied results. One talented inventor was so fed up with his shaggy head that he decided to build a robot 
Quote, my hair is getting too long, so I decided to build a robot to cut it off for me. Shane Whiten of the YouTube channel Stuff Made Here wrote in the description of his video that posted last week and has already been viewed over 1.7 million times. The robot uses a computer program that gives a person options for haircut styles. The robot's scissors are attached to an adjustable lever that rotates around the head. As a safety precaution, the robot measures the distance between the hair it wants to cut and the scalp. Because of this, the robot wasn't able to cut near Whiten's ears. Better safe than sorry, Vincent Van Gogh. Then, a bit like the famous Flowbee haircutting machine from the 80s, a vacuum inside the robot sucks the hair to pull it tight. The robot selects the hair to be cut, and then the attached scissors on the robot go to work. The end results are interesting. Whiten's haircut isn't great, but it's not terrible either. The only other drawback of this robot is that it apparently takes a lot longer to cut hair than a human barber, but that isn't stopping Whiten from building another robot barber to, quote, explore some of the crazier haircut concepts. Quote, the possibilities for this machine are endless, with the most interesting things being a haircut that are too hard for human haircutters to achieve, Whiten wrote. Imagine a mathematically perfect fade from one side of your head to another. Or imagine if I had a trim if I added a trimmer to this and cutting a perfect lithophane pattern into your hair. If you want ideas for a more dangerous haircutting cutting experience, check out this video from the YouTuber and robot inventor Simon Geertz, who built a haircutting drone. Oh, yikes. YouTuber Roman Atwood built an even scarier drone. Barber, bar, blah, 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 blah. There you go. Everybody's making haircutting machines. But this one, uh, this it actually kind of worked. I watched the video, um, which is, <coughs> sorry, quite long. Um, and, you know, he said somewhere in there, that I think it's going to be about a $5 haircut and it ended up being about a $5 haircut. It was not a great haircut. It was kind of left them with a pretty significant mullet, a robotically mathematically perfect mullet. Um, but uh, there you go, folks. Watch out barbers, watch out hair people. Uh, the robots are coming for you too. I just, it makes me uncomfortable to see the scissors, the sharp scissors in a robot mm-hmm. hand so close to the scalp you know it's, oh, a, yeah. it's just a matter of upsetting the robot before uh you know it starts to uh, do something else putting yourself sharp. in a very vulnerable position for when skynet takes over yeah i thought and it was it, an interesting decision to actually use scissors he actually designed the robot to use haircutting scissors and not just have you know some sort of robotic blade or something doing the work which was creative, but uh, <laughs> more practical, I suppose. But it does look like the the guy here. It looks like his head is on a platter. He's inside like a little. <laughs> That's true. Like, like yes, a little you do box. have to stick your head up through a hole in this box uh, that box. the uh, that the robot sort of rotates around to cut your hair. So yeah, so much like your head is on a platter. <laughs> and you know, I I don't recall uh, him talking about how much he spent on the machine. Take you know minus labor costs, but uh, you know I can't imagine it was very cheap to build this robot. No, but I'm sure he's making it back with all his YouTube cash coming in. I know that sweet, sweet YouTube cash. Yeah. Oh, remember the days, Gons? <laughs> no, I don't. It's been too many. <laughs> I think the Rona's gotten to my brain. Uh, yeah. There's a there's a secondary 
flippy update that we've been, you know, you know there was a, a show about robot wars, I think. Yeah, we've, we've talked about giant robots in the past. I will say, just to keep the purity of the Flippy updates, this isn't technically a Flippy update, but we do like to track giant robots being built around the world. Uh, we followed the story when when uh, Eagle One uh, yes. was sold on eBay. Uh, I was really, really hoping to win that auction, but then Eagle <laughs> One was the American contender for the giant robot battle uh, TV show that they're trying to start off. But um, over here on Popular Mechanics, some people have been sending me this, and I didn't get a chance to look into it, and now we did. Uh, the article is titled, Watch Engineers Take Their 60-Foot-Tall Gundam for a Walk. That's right. Since January, construction has been underway on a huge Gundam robot, a popular fictional robot that appears in some 50 TV series and movies since 1979, not to mention a slew of video games and manga coming in at about 60 feet tall. The Gundam will be impossible to miss from the port of Yokohama, just south of Tokyo, where it will call home for a full year. Although the COVID-19 pandemic had halted progress on various construction projects worldwide, the Gundam perseveres. You can check out the progress for yourself in this YouTube video uploaded by Michael Overstreet. So, long story short, this is a giant... Uh, anime-inspired robot being built over in Japan. And you know what? I don't know what they got going over in Japan, but uh, the the funding for a project like this is really impressive that uh, Japan has the the funding available. I don't... It's probably not paid for through the government, but some collection of investors paying for it. This is really impressive. I like it. So we've got another giant robot on the way. And this one, uh, you know, they held they held quite true to the original Gundam design. I'm pretty impressed. Well, first off, I think generations or two or three generations now of like Power Rangers and stuff like that in Japan. More than that, probably like four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, well, actually, at least four decades of shows like that. So you got people with money who have nothing better to do but to build robots. But also... During that robot wars thing, I think the American robot beat the Japanese robot, right? So, of course, we must yes. come back with a 60-foot Gundam to squash right. any yes. American of course, attempt. Of course, those who have been uh, listening to the show long enough know that uh, my favorite childhood movie was a movie called Robot Jocks, yep. where uh, geopolitical... Uh, you know, confrontations were not settled with war. This was in the future. The movie set in the future. They were settled by 1v1 giant robot battles. And uh, I recommend you check out the movie Robot Jocks. That's jocks with an X. And uh, see <laughs> how exactly Russia and America compete for the uh, the oil-rich region of Alaska with their giant robots. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did forget to mention at the top of the show, one of the things that might help, uh, at least on YouTube, some of these live streams, especially after the fact, is if someone can keep timestamps as to when we move on to different stories. Because if, uh, if you make a comment with all the, the time, mm-hmm. uh, the timestamps of each story, then people can link or people can click those 
timestamps and take them, you know, right to the story that we talk about. So they're not clicking around looking for stuff. Yeah. That's just that would, YouTube. That would it be just a very valuable service for us to, uh, cause you know, with these long shows and we cover so many topics, you know, if somebody sees a topic they want, it would be very helpful to put in those or to hyperlink the times that people can click on, on YouTube specifically. Um, so if you're watching live, uh, we would really appreciate it. I don't know. Maybe it will give a prize. We'll definitely give a shout out. Uh, we'll, we'll, you, you'll be t- a producer of the show. One of you live viewers. So yes. every time we switch, uh, topics, if you want to take the timestamp, uh, we will list all those out and it will, uh, it'll help. It'll help people find, uh, what they want to hear about. And, uh, we'll give you a shout out as a producer. Um, yeah. so I'm hoping somebody, or at least a collection of people, together we'll do that and we can uh we can a that'll add a lot of value to the show um and uh help newcomers you know navigate their their way through the show yeah maybe and back to the giant robot here maybe they're preparing for godzilla gojira to to emerge from the waters you know yeah, so at very least they have forward a... very forward <laughs> thinking uh uh, national defense strategy exactly. for Japan there. Yeah. All right. We got a bunch of updates to get to here. We interrupt this broadcast to give you a brief update. By the end of this timely interruption, you will be thoroughly updated. All right. This first one, uh, we're going to read the foxnews.com report. Portland officials send federal government cease and desist letter calling for removal of courthouse fencing. Hmm. And oh, uh, the fences that uh, deconstruct themselves yeah, <laughs> that aren't staying up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been we've been peripherally keeping track of all, of all the rioting going on here uh, in the United States, and Portland has been the latest in a lot of this turmoil, so to speak. Uh, it says here, Portland authorities are calling on the government to remove fencing around a federal courthouse amid ongoing protest or face legal action, according to a recently published official letter. The quote illegal illegally installed concrete and metal barriers are both unpermitted and represent a hazard to the traveling public said a letter sent with a cease and desist order to a federal official Thursday. Among other things, they block a bike lane according to the document published online by Willamette week. Willamette Willamette week quote unidentified agents of the federal government have placed unpermitted fencing and Jersey barriers in the city's right of way outside of the Hatfield federal courthouse, the letter states quote, the fencing and barriers in the right of way create a hazard for Portlanders by blocking the bike lane uh, on SW main, which is the premier bike facility into downtown Portland failure to remove the fencing would violate city code and, and administrative rules quote, and will be subject to fines and potential legal action. Said the letter. There's a, footage or pictures here of people in bike helmets and total face masks and ski goggles kicking Mm -hmm. over the, uh, the fence with the, with the, the uh, sunflowers in there from the moms, by the way. Yeah. But anyway, um, I mean, that's, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of one of those situations. This is very strange because, uh, they obviously, you know, the the city officials don't like the feds being there and they don't like this fence. So they're, you know, trying to petition getting the fence taken down. But it's not very helpful to the case where, you know, the pictures show 
a pretty much a continuous assault on the federal courthouse there with people attacking the fence, tearing the fence down. You know, like you said, the the kicking, the sort of one-footed uh, breach kick trying to take down the fence there. It's like, hey, get your fence out of here. Let us destroy your federal courthouse government. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not really defending the uh anyone here in terms of what's going on here but i thought it was a pretty interesting thing to compare what's happening in portland with what's happened in hong kong and Mm -hmm. uh james woods tweeted this image out which i thought i thought was very telling for those of you listening and not looking at the screen it's a side-by-side picture of protest in hong kong and protest in portland and in hong kong you have all these people holding up american flags uh, presumably before the uh, the whole takeover by the CCP. Mm-hmm. And then on the right is a picture from Portland and all these people have the, the communist flag <laughs> raised up the uh, with the red flag with the, with oh, the communist I know. symbol. It's crazy. It's insanity. I, I just think it's insane that in, in Portland you have these people pushing the communist agenda using, you know, American free speech to do it. And it's like, would yeah. you not understand that you have the right to say that because you live in this country? <laughs> Yeah. Meanwhile, in Hong Kong, you've got Hong Kongers risking their life and freedom to wave an American flag at the risk of being imprisoned indefinitely. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's sad. Um, sad. Speaking of China, here's a little update uh, from CNN.com. Before you go on, I got one more thing to show you about this whole thing. Uh, Somebody tweeted out as a Portlander, I wanted to counter the narrative that our city is no longer safe since it's being overrun by violent protests. So I made maps for perspectives on them. And it shows mm-hmm. a map of uh, the federal courthouse and the, uh, the jail and the federal building. And mm-hmm. there's a red square where all the protests are happening, which is very much a small part of the, the city. You know, yeah. I mean, it, that's the case with almost any kind of protester or any of these events. It's all just, concentrated yeah, in whole, one area the whole city isn't getting overrun and burned down it's just the the targets of the the protests yeah. we but had i think um, it's i think it's hmm. important to point out not not to defend this guy because you know he's saying because you got trump saying these are anarchists and you know we got to defend portland and all this stuff it, it works for both in terms of one this kind of proves how much the media has control over the narrative of the minds of the public Right. You have this thing happening in this one spot, but the way media and social media and everybody portrays it, Portland's burning down, you know? Right. And it's just something to keep in mind because he does have a point that like, yeah, most people living in Portland are probably just going about their day. It's yeah, just this fact, one little fact area. Checker bot in the chat there says, you know, I drove through P town two days ago. I'm assuming that's Portland mm-hmm. and it looked nothing like the photos show. But yeah, I think that's the the case. It's, and the other, it's the not other, the whole city getting fenced right. off and burned down. It's just the the protest areas, right? And then, uh, like on the flip side, this whole letter, like, oh, take down, take down the fence. It, mm-hmm. It's in the way of the people. It's it's a violation and all this stuff. That's ridiculous too. Go around if you're riding a bike. 
You know what I mean? So anyway, sorry. Yeah. No, they're just looking for legally actionable ways to get the feds out of there or at least weaken their position. Yeah. Let them destroy Which, the Which, you know, we all them. know how I feel about the what's going on with the federal secret police scooping people up. Not very cool. It takes us way too close to the line of the dystopian future that we've been keeping an eye out for. Yep. Um, okay. Ready? Ready for the next one? Yep. Yep. Okay, little update on China here. CNN.com Chinese fugitive taken into custody custody as U.S. claims Houston consulate was part of an espionage network. We reported about the the Houston Chinese uh, consulate being shut down for espionage reasons. Um, Senior U.S. government official said Friday that a Chinese scientist who had been hiding in the country's San Francisco consulate after accusations of visa fraud is now in U.S. custody and also charged that Beijing has been using its diplomatic outposts to run an espionage network to steal intellectual property from U.S. businesses, universities, and research centers. Tang Huan, a researcher who said she was focusing on in, oh, sorry, uh, now I'm getting old. I got to make my font bigger here. <laughs> Tang Zhuan, a researcher who had said she was focusing on biology, quote, was a fugitive from justice until last night, a senior justice official said, but has now been charged in Sacramento. The circumstances of Tang's arrest were not clear, but she has not been charged with espionage. U.S. officials made the announcement just hours before Washington's deadline for Beijing to shutter its consulate in Houston, a move that triggered China to retaliate Friday by demanding the U.S. close its consulate in Chengdu. Prosecutors earlier this week said that Tang concealed her connection to China's military in order to enter the U.S., lied to federal investigators about those links, and subsequently tried to avoid arrest by taking refuge in the San Francisco consulate. During an interview with FBI agents on the 20th, Uh, June 20th, Tang denied serving in the Chinese military, claimed she did not know the meaning of the insignia on her uniform, and that wearing a military uniform was required for attendance at FMMU because it was a military school, attorneys wrote in July 20th court filing. But in a search (laughs) of her home and electronic media, FBI investigators, quote, discovered photographs of her in the uniform of the civilian cadre of the Chinese People's Liberation Army and that she had been employed as a researcher at the 4th Military Medical University. She was charged with one count of visa fraud on June 26th. The U.S. officials also said Friday that China's Houston consulate was implicated in a fraud investigation at a Texas research institution. They charged that consulate uh, officials... Uh, They charged that consulate officials were directly involved in communications with researchers and guided them on what information to collect. So uh, just a little update. Another Chinese spy has been apprehended. (laughs) I like how they're like, you're wearing the the logo on your thing. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is. I don't know. they (laughs) They just made me wear it again and again. And then I wore it later and forgot about it. Yeah, the, the I can't speak English thing probably doesn't work anymore. Huh? <laughs> and they pull over. I don't know. I don't know. No English. Sorry, Buster uh, Brown. Yeah. Uh, here's another quick update here. And this is actually, uh, it's not a news story, but this is a tweet from Kevin Shipp, who is, uh, leans, uh, he's, he's, you know, kind of peddles the conservative thing out there. Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, he's a former, I think he's a former CIA. Yeah. Former CIA counterterrorism. Although I would argue one CIA, never not CIA. 
Uh, but he tweeted out here, the original legitimate Q and other legitimate intelligence insiders are coming back to 8chan and are about to begin new accurate drops. This appears to be the reason Twitter has blocked Q drops before this occurs. Stay tuned and watch for this. So, mm. uh, he, so yeah, apparently there's a, a real Q and a fake Q and the real legitimate Q is coming back. Well, that's been the problem for a while now is, you know, (laughs) it it seemed that Q had been sort of co-opted for an institutional purposes. And okay, I guess allegedly real Q is coming back. How do we know the difference? Well, here's here's the problem with this is if, if Q, even from the beginning, okay, even if Q was this way for the, the, the white hat Intel to communicate with its people you would be giving away all of your Intel by dropping it on Q and getting it out into the public. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It, it would compromise the entire mission. Although I've heard Q people say like only 20% is shared to the public, but it's like, okay, right. then what's the point? So anyway, yeah. I just thought this was interesting coming from Kevin ship, uh, just something to keep an eye on and look, look out for those Q drops Watch out. <laughs> from the legit Q. QQ, double Q's on the way. Oh, yeah, QQ. Uh, okay, let's see. We have a, uh, a 33 update here. 33 is the number of completion of the Great War. The first temple of Solomon stood for 33 years. David ruled for 33 years in Jerusalem. The Masonic Order divided into 33 symbolic degrees. There are 33 segments in the human spinal column. Jesus was crucified in the 33rd year of his life. Okay, so uh, for those who have watched the show for a while, you already know this, but if you're new, uh, we like to follow the number 33 as it shows up in a lot of suspicious places. And uh, for the best... Uh, the best guess of researchers, of people who research this type of thing, is that 33 is used as a signaling number in the mainstream media uh, to, you know, hiding in plain sight uh, signals and messages uh, for the elites to keep track of what's going on and maybe signaling who knows uh, different aspects of a plan or something, something or other here or there. We're not absolutely sure, but we know that it's pretty suspicious how it shows up. And just a couple here for you guys. We have KRGV.com, Rio Grande Valley, Texas. Uh, Looks like an ABC channel, something. Hidalgo County announces 33 more coronavirus-related deaths, 813 additional cases. Um, Just says Hidalgo County announced on Thursday, 33 more people died due to complications related to the virus. Why 33? Why not 32? Why not 34? It's always 33. Yeah. And it's interesting how the uh, newly reported deaths bring the county's total to 433. Mm. So it was like exactly 400. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, no. We must add 33. So 433. And then the Hidalgo County judge uh, quoted as saying, I send my sincere condolences to to these 33 families Mm. for the loss of their loved ones. It's like, yeah. why, why the quote then from the judge? Why not? It's just a weird situation. Obviously, if you're a judge, you might be involved in some of that stuff. You might you have might to signal. You know that 33 is the number. Yeah, you might have to, to do that. Okay, there's a couple more 33 updates. Just reading headlines here. Albany Diocese faces 33 new sexual abuse claims. Mm. And uh, just a, a 
quick read here of the first paragraph. More than 30 child sexual abuse complaints were filed Wednesday against the Roman Catholic Diocese of Albany, including seven claims directed at a deceased Christian brother who had been assigned to Notre Dame Bishop Gibbon uh, High School in Schecht. What is that? Schenectady? Schenectady. Okay. Schenectady in the 1960s and 70s, according to the filings. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I've never, I've never seen that word or that place. I apologize. Yeah. I'm not as well I only well-versed. know it because of a film called Schenectady, New York. Pretty oh. trippy, uh, trippy little film. Um, who was it? Who is the guy? Oh, I forget his name, but somebody anyways. will mention it. Yeah. All right. So there you go. 33 new sexual abuse claims in Albany. Uh, and then this one here, uh, obviously you got to always have the 33 death, unfortunate situation here. According, according to pokernews.com, poker player Susie Zhao, 33, found dead in Michigan. Oh. Yeah. Uh, again, 33-year-olds, if you're out there, stay safe. Stay out of uh, small aircraft and hot tubs and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, the remains of Zhao, 33, were found badly burned last Monday in the parking lot of a state recreation area in White Lake Township. So They're weird. I mean, that's such a weird thing. She's burnt, she's burnt. you know, charred remains in a parking lot. Almost yeah. has kind of a a feel, a little bit of a, a ritualistic feel to it. Yeah, yeah. Especially especially if it's fire. You, you Boo. There into all that. Boo fire. Yeah, okay. boo fire. All right. Well, I got a pretty, uh, this is a short one, but a pretty significant uh, story here. And it's we about uh, fewer people to be born. That's right. A little jingle there. That's uh, that is Margaret Sanger. Uh, a nice little quote from her, one of the founders of Planned Parenthood. And I'm going to read from the New York here. Planned Parenthood finally admits that its founder was a horrific bigot. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something we've talked about for a while. Margaret Sanger being incredibly racist and uh, and also pretty bigoted towards, uh, you know, wanted to sterilize anybody who had some sort of uh, genetic imperfection um, and, of course, uh, wanting to. Uh, propagate uh, abortion, especially in cases where the child would be uh, not up to her standards genetically. Um, and the article reads, Planned Parenthood is finally removing the name of Margaret Sanger, its founder from its Manhattan clinic, ending decades of denial about her horrid racist views. Just four years ago, the Planned Parenthood Federation of America did admit it was wrong of Sanger to speak to the Ku Klux Klan in 1926 and to support the sterilization of the disabled and placing so-called illiterates, Hoppers, unemployables, criminals, prostitutes, and dope fiends on farms and in open spaces as long as necessary for the strengthening and development of moral conduct. But it refused to confront her words, such as, quote, the most urgent problem today is how to limit and discourage the overfertility of the mentally and physically defective. It also downplayed her support of Buck v. Bell, the 1927 Supreme Court decision that declared constitutional 
declared constitutional the forced sterilization of the unfit. That uh, that ruling allowed the maiming via involuntary hysterectomy of thousands of black women in the Jim Crow South. Planned Parenthood's local branch says it's also discussing replacing Singer's name on a street sign at Mott and Bleecker. The city council shouldn't wait for a request. Hmm. There you go. All right. So we are, uh, Margaret Sanger is canceled. I, I got to say, I kind of agree with that one. Canceled. Took, took long enough, though. I know. They've it's one of those. Had uh, this horrible person. <laughs> uh, you know, they've basically deified her for a hundred years and, you know, she stands for every horrible, you know, ideal that the, uh, the lift, the left wants to erase from history there. I know it's interesting though, because even though she's at the heart of the whole Planned Parenthood, you know, movement, mm-hmm. people are still going to support that and the rights of women in my body, my choice. But then, uh, you know, they, they're going to cancel the the founder of it. And uh, <laughs> to people like us, it's like, I tried to tell you <laughs> finally getting right. around to it. But, but it's weird because they're going to, they're going to take out Margaret Sanger. but it's almost like, it's almost going to make the whole thing even more dis- disingenuous because now it's like, Oh, we got rid of the, you know, the bigoted aspect of what we're doing, but now we are, you know, more free. Now we're it's more all about, fine. Yeah, yeah. We're more about peaceful freedom about our, our bodies and stuff. I don't know. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's good on one, on one hand, but on the other hand, I feel like it's just going to make the whole Planned Parenthood abortion conversation more disingenuous for people that are super pro killing babies. Yeah. Well, especially those who are unaware of the, the sort of nefarious history of the organization. Well, that, that's well. what I'm saying. The, the history yeah. is going to, because it's, for anybody that's exactly coming at this. The, the problem with erasing these histories is it right, lets right. Uh, the current uh, it pr- uh, progeny of those ideals get away with their actions nowadays uh, without the, the, the inconvenient connections to horrible pasts. It's what, yeah. So people that are maybe, you know, left leaning or they're part of the, you know, they're pro abortion or pro choice and all this, they have the opportunity to look at the history and say, Oh yeah, something's wrong here. You know, look at the founders quotes and sure. Something's not right with this whole thing. Now you remove the association and now people can just kind of, go along and say, well, we got, we got rid of the the bigot there. So now I'm on with the, on with the melt those babies into candles. On with that. (laughs) All right, let's move on. Okay, here we go. Big, big ish story. Where is my, where's my jingle for that? Oh, here it is. (laughs) 5G kills humans. This is from extremetech.com. PubMed leaps into pseudoscience, links 5G coronavirus. And uh, we're going to read this from PubMed, or I'm sorry, from Extreme Tech, uh, because they are trying to debunk the claims of this uh, journal, this paper that was published on PubMed that was withdrawn 
within a yeah. day or two, I think. May I, uh, may I read the abstract of the study first and then you can yep. go into the article? Go for it. All right. So this was uh, posted. We had to pull it up on the Wayback Machine here because it was taken down, obviously. And just to keep in mind, I think uh, the article will talk about it a little bit once you get into it, Gons. But PubMed mm-hmm. has been a, a legitimate source um, for you know medical research and study study referencing um, since I believe it was 1997 and has never been considered at least as far as I know and and I'm trying to take it from even a mainstream view I believe it's been considered a legit source uh, you know for for quite a while now right. um, and but of course when a story like this makes its way onto PubMed which is really just a database of uh, of published medical, um, studies and stuff like that. Uh, it's kind of a, a, an open access, you know, medical journal. Uh, but of course, when something pops up that goes against the, uh, the mainstream, uh, accepted storyline, suddenly it's an evil place filled with pseudoscience overnight. Um, but we were able to pull it up and the, the study was called 5g technology and the induction of coronavirus and skin cells. The abstract reads in this research, we show that 5g millimeter waves could be absorbed by dermatologic cells, meaning skin cells acting like antennas transferred to other cells and play the main role in producing coronaviruses in biological cells. DNA is built from charged electrons and atoms uh, and has a inductor-like structure. This structure could be divided into linear, toroid, or round inductors. Inductors interact with external electromagnetic waves, move and produce some extra waves within the cell. The shapes of these waves are similar to shapes of hexagonal and pentagonal pentagonal bases Mm. of their DNA structures. Uh, These waves produce some holes in liquids within the nucleus. To fill these holes, some extra hexagonal and pentagonal bases are produced. These bases could join to each other and form virus-like structures such as coronavirus. To produce these viruses within a cell, it is necessary that the wavelength of the external waves be shorter than the size of the cell. Thus, 5G millimeter waves could be good candidates for applying uh, in constructing virus-like structures such as coronaviruses, COVID-19, within the cells. So this harkens back uh, to the theory that was floating around uh, kind of at the beginning of all this. Um, I believe like David Icke was talking about it and people like that, where 5G creates coronavirus within the body, um, which... You know, I don't know. We we didn't really it was we didn't really have the resources, Gons, you and I to really latch on and and propagate that kind of idea. Um, Well, it was uh, certainly used as a, you know, kind of like a Cointelpro type of thing with people burning down. 5G towers and, you know, the government making statements about, please don't burn down the 5G towers and stuff like that. So, right. It was, it was easy fodder for this idea popped up a few months ago. And then this, you know, alleged scientific study came up and uh, was quickly taken down and discredited PubMed altogether. So let's see what uh, your article has to say about that. Okay. So let's go to the extreme tech article here about it. Again, it's titled PubMed, 
leaps into pseudoscience links 5G coronavirus. And it says PubMed is a free life science and biomedical database. Anyone can search to find papers published on various topics. It's been free to the public since 1997, and it's often referenced by people looking for recent medical studies on a given topic. Because it's a search engine used by both the general public and medical professionals alike, the, de the decisions PubMed makes about which content to surface in response to a query are incredibly important. Generally, the site has, viewed, uh, has been viewed as a reliable way to find genuine medical information rather than pseudoscientific claptrap. Unfortunately, that's not true as it used to be, as evidenced by the recent appearance of this gem. 5G technology and induction of coronavirus in skin cells. The paper is currently online in preprint and awaiting publication. It makes pretty much exactly the argument you think it does. Wake up, sheeple. The truth is just so darn obvious. And, you know, the whole diagram of 5G cell towers and weaponizing bats and uh, having them uh, COVID-19 beam down to toilet paper and the people use toilet paper and they get five. Yes, or 5G uh, activates uh, Chinese spy bats who create <laughs> yeah. a coronavirus uh, right. uh, uh, virus tubes being toilet right. paper. Yeah, it was a funny one. I shared it a while back. Rabbit meat hole. We're going to be talking about credentials a lot in this story, so let's start with mine. I'm a 19-year veteran of technology reporting who graduated with a political science degree from DePaul University. Is that how you spell DePaul? I, I thought DePaul no was spelled. I thought it was a. Anyway, Jessica Hall, who has written for ET before ha, and has degrees in both biology and mathematics, was gracious enough to help me evaluate both this paper and several others by the various authors we'll be discussing. This raises the obvious question Is an undergrad level journalist capable of evaluating the deep and sophisticated science of a group of COVID 19 researchers? No. Fortunately, I'm not being asked to. All I have to do is illustrate how an organization that's given up on safeguarding its own reputation can be used to carry water for conspiracy theorists and the lunatic fringe. All right. A lot of, uh, a lot of setting up here. So I'm let's triggered. get started. <laughs> Are you triggered yet? Here's the first sentence of the abstract. In this, oh, this is a quote from the paper. Quote, in this research, we show that 5G millimeter waves could be absorbed by dermatologic cells acting like antennas transferred to other cells and play the main role in producing coronaviruses in biological cells. And he uh, emphasized play the main role. And this is uh, back to the article here. If 5G actually played the main role in producing coronavirus, you'd expect the countries with the highest 5G deployments to have the highest cases of COVID-19. The United States is the undisputed world leader in the latter category, yet our 5G millimeter wave coverage, and that's the type these authors identify as harmful, is so bad, Verizon just got in trouble for claiming its 5G network is, quote, nationwide, and was forced to change its advertising. If 5G causes coronavirus, the worst outbreaks of coronavirus should be or should directly correlate to the places where 5G networks exist. They don't. They generally correlate to cities, with a few exceptions, such as rural Italy, Italy, because urban areas have always been at greater risk during pandemics due to population density, and historically speaking, 
the difficulties of dealing with sewage treatment, disease, and corpse disposal anywhere humans lived in large numbers. Uh, before I go on here, doesn't it seem like um, almost like a straw man he's setting up? He, yeah, because he's yet to mention, and I was going to wait until you, I don't know, finish this section, but uh, he, you know, 5G is being deployed in the cities first. Yeah. And he just said that's where most of the coronavirus is. So yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for well, him plus. to I'm waiting for him to give his evidence that dense cities uh, are not where 5G is being deployed in the U.S. But we'll see if right. that okay. Let's let's just keep going here. For example, see the uh, Antonine plague, the plague of Justinian, and the historical spread of the Black Death following its arrival in Constantinople. Regarding 5G frequencies, the scientists, in quotes, claim, quote, its frequencies are above 24 gigahertz, reaching up to 72 gigahertz, which is above the extremely high frequency band's lower boundary. This, uh, end quote, this is the kind of fearful wording intended to imply that the reader is in some sort of danger based on, quote, extremely high frequency. What it actually indicates is that scientists are really bad at naming things. Allow me to introduce you to the glories of the electromagnetic spectrum as defined by science. Mm, and he, science. Has, he has a low frequency, medium frequency, high frequency, very high frequency, ultra high frequency, super high frequency, extremely high frequency, visible spectrum, ultraviolet, x-ray, gamma ray. Remember that time you turned on an infrared lamp in your bathroom and it gave you cancer? No? Huh? Must be all the cell phones rotting your brain. The fact that all of the damaging energy known to harm humans is sitting above visible light while everything known not to be harmful is sitting below it, including 5G signals, is surely some mistake. But this team of sciency folks isn't just using scary language. They're blatantly misrepresenting the actual bands that MMWave 5G deployments use. Here they are, and they show a, a little diagram here uh, where it has the gigahertz on the, on the bottom, the, the x-axis, and the, uh, well, I don't know. I guess they're, they're just showing the different frequency band, bandwidth of all the, the, uh, mm -hmm. uh, the 5G deployed. 24 gigahertz to 72 gigahertz, you say? Mind pointing out where? Because uh, all of it's under 30, according to this little graph. Uh, unless COVID-19 can literally travel through time and infect us from an era where 72 gigahertz 5G exists, how can it possibly matter that 5G signals might one day use that frequency band? This is what bad scientists think science looks like. This article isn't so much a scientific paper as a representation of what a moron thinks a science paper or a scientific paper is. Allow me to quote directly from the authors and or the semi-sentient Markov chain that stole their identities. Quote, It has been shown that 5G mobile networking technology will affect not only the skin and eyes, but will have adverse systemic effects as well. In another study, it was argued that 5G technologies cause great harm to human health. Cancer is only one of the many problems. 5G causes 720 factorial different diseases in human beings and can kill everything that lives except some forms of microorganisms. 
uh, end quote. This last was so amazing, I had to check the citation. Here's the opening sentence from that modest proposal. Quote, the intent of this article is to show that wireless technology is, without remedy other than termination, one of the most devastating environmental and health threats and threats to personal liberty ever created. End quote. Pro tip, when a scientist declares that the intent of their article is to prove that the only way to safeguard all of humanity as well as the very principle of liberty is to destroy all mobile communications technology because there is literally no alternative, that person may have what is sometimes referred to as an agenda or a disorder in parentheses. Man, this guy's harsh. Yeah. Back to the original train wreck. Uh, I think this is back to the, the paper quote. The question is whether millimeter waves and 5G technology could contribute to, uh, in constructing some viruses like COVID-19 within a cell. To reply to this question, we should consider the electronic structure of a DNA uh, and its emitted waves. End quote. With respect and this bit, I explicitly ran past Miss Hall. That is not the question. The question is whether any radio wave or signal has been shown to help any type of virus colonize the human body. The answer, up until the torrent of stupidity that is the 5G coronavirus conspiracy theory, was no. And since the 5G coronavirus conspiracy theory is literally a scientific BS, the answer remains no. Viruses turn human cells into factories to replicate more of themselves. This is literally how viruses work. A virus that requires a radio signal as a vital intermediary, which is what the authors claim, given that they identify 5G as, quote, playing the main role, is a bad virus. <laughs> now, this, I mean, this explicitly is a, uh, um, a straw man thing here. And they give it away with the first uh, sentence of the question, which is, res with respect... Uh, that is not the question. So they're immediately right. changing the topic of the conversation away from the point made in the paper to make a point again, going down to uh, some more pretty explicit uh, straw man arguments says right here, a virus that requires a radio signal as vital intermediary um, is a bad virus, but yeah. nowhere in that uh, citation he just made did they say that coronavirus or any virus requires right. uh, the radio signal that was never the claim yeah. uh, the claim was that these radio signals may or sorry could contribute in constructing some viruses so yeah. even in just a very basic analysis of this article it's just one straw man after the other and look i i don't even know or you know i look i i'm a little iffy on the whole idea as well but uh what i push back against in all cases is even if you know the case is that 5g you know, well, well, like I said, I have no horse in the race of whether 5G causes coronavirus, but that's not even what they're claiming. They're saying it could contribute. And in the language of scientific uh, papers and especially medical papers, when something says could contribute, it means exactly that. They mean, oh, it could have a one percent 
contribution to helping, you know, the development of uh, coronavirus. And so, you know, that's what's stated in the paper. And then this guy turns around and says, oh, they're saying that it's required to have yeah. a radio yeah. signal. So it's it's I mean, it's unfortunate for this person that, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. it's unfortunate for society that uh, construction of these straw men arguments is is usually never noticed. Um, and this is just used to back up an, an already established ideology. Well, um, I was going to say that earlier, you know, we, he was talking about how one of the papers that was cited in the in the study had an agenda. It's like, oh, we, the, we can refer to it as an agenda. <laughs> and it's like, what? You don't have an agenda here, author guy? Yeah, All right. right. So <laughs> uh, let's keep going here. Imagine a bacteria that can only kill you if you like Nickelback. There are not enough Nickelback fans for that to be an effective evolutionary strategy. Yet there are somehow far more Nickelback fans in the United States than people living in range of effective 5G service. That that is like the quintessential <laughs> definition of a straw man argument right there. Just completely bringing in irrelevant right. things to try to compare it to. It disgusts me too, but there we are. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about the credentials of the author and the publisher. Professor M. Fironelli, listed as lead author of the paper. Fironelli is the EIC of the International Journal of Inflammation, Cancer, and integrative therapy which is owned by omics omics has been heavily criticized and the validity of its publications challenged in the united states based on its poor peer review practices its pay to publish fee structure and its use of scientists names in marketing materials without their knowledge and consent the usnih demanded in 2013 that omics stop claiming to be affiliated with the u.s government or its employees uh, that could be because they are just producing uh, stuff that is uh, inconvenient to you know the U.S. political agenda. It doesn't have sure. to be for you know these reasons that they state here. The university he teaches at Marconi University has the dubious distinction of being accredited by the ACICS or A6, I guess, a U.S. accreditation agency so corrupt. Its authority was revoked until Betsy Devos, uh, De Devos reinstated it. Since that decision, a USA Today investigation has found that Reagan University, an ASICS accredited school, has no students, no buildings, no faculty, and no alumni. Other papers Professor Fironelli has collaborated on include, quote, a mathematical model for the signal of death and emergence of mind out of brain in Iskivit. Uh, what is that? Is is Hikevic neuron model, which claims to present evidence that Cartesian duality, namely that the mind and brain are entirely separate constructs, is scientifically valid. He's also accredited author in the <clears throat> Page Turner coming to a budget TV network near you. Quote: Formation of neural circuits in an expanded version of Darwin's theory. Effects of DNA in extra dimensions and within the Earth's core on neural networks. Ooh. <laughs> Sounds like an Elon Musk type of paper. <laughs> yeah. Safari A. Sif, uh, or Sipari? Or Sipi? I don't know how to say it. Sipari. I'm going to say Sipari. A, 
Uh, Saperi is also a co-author on the quote, we've proven minds exist after death paper and the extra dimensional DNA from the earth's core is making AI want to kill us paper. Massimo and Saperi also collaborated in a horror pitch quote, recovery of brain and chick embryos by growing second heart and brain, which is either up for an ignoble or an option for Wes Craven. Uh, Rosia MG surprise, surprise. This individual also contributed to the, I stink. Therefore I still am deep dive into Descartian dementia. Yeah, this is brutal here. Uh, M J I'm having problems with these names. Uh, Jafferani Jafferani. First, the good news M Jafferani isn't mentioned on any of the papers above. Now the bad news. And it has, I guess, papers he is involved with awareness of psychodermatology and in Indian dermatologists and psychodermatology in Iran, a survey on knowledge clinics in dermatology notes of psychodermatology quote, although many data have been published, it appears that not enough good statistical evidence exists to support them. The idea that stress can contribute to skin problems is not controversial. But psychodermatology typically goes farther from painting stress as a factor and identifies it as something more akin to primary uh, to a primary agent. This uh, excuse me, this latter idea is not well supported in the scientific literature. Have you noticed that most of these people seem to be dermatologists yet? Uh, O.Y. Olisova. Olisova was lead author on a paper claiming COVID-19 could be treated effectively with. Aprimalast, Aprimalast. A primalast, a psoriasis medication. Her proof for this: a single asymptomatic patient on a primalast who didn't display symptoms of COVID-19. Under this theory of medicine, the fact that my grandfather lived to be 90 while smoking like a chimney means cigarettes are safe for everyone. Lung candy, basically. Tasty, tasty lung candy. Mm. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay, I'm just gonna skip the the meme there. Lomonosov KM. I can't speak to Lamansov's general work with vitiligo patients, uh, although uh, though Jessica Hall thought it sounded like borderline pseudoscience and noted that he typically publishes exclusively in Russian and is self-evidently involved in authorial work with those we could charitably describe as on the fringes of the scientific community. T. Lottie. Lottie appears to have done a reasonable amount of serious work, but she's signed on to this 5G coronavirus conspiracy merry-go-round. Nevertheless, strangely, she's also contributed to articles specifically addressing how COVID-19 would impact dermatological clinics and is part of a group of scientists advocating for safe practices and policies that safeguard patients. None of these authors has the standing or authority to speak to the causes of COVID-19, and the fact that this paper has appeared in the PubMed database or been linked by the NIH is evidence of serious, uh, serious methodological flaws in the approval process. This isn't science. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting so mad. Oh man. Science is truth. It's what people who don't actually practice, practice the science method appears to think it looks like. Some of this, man, he doesn't address any of the stuff actually addressed in the paper. No, here. he does Some of this can be excused by the overwhelming nature of the COVID-19 epidemic and the need for all science nooks and crannies to be explored. But even a cursory investigation into the history of the organizations and individuals published this work demonstrates how profoundly counterfactual it is. 
If you want serious scientific advance, don't get it from people who speak and refer to grand sweeping assumptions as though they were proven scientific fact. And if you run into any AIs near the Earth's core, make sure to check uh, make sure to check that they remain in the usual four dimensions. If you run into any dermatologists pretending they have the qualifications to moonlight as signal engineers and infectious disease experts outside the explicit realm of dermatology, kindly kindly do us a favor and tell them to shut the f up. Wow, they're just they're just brutal. Uh, okay, and then it goes into uh, well, just kind of. I don't know if this is part of the article or not anymore, but yeah, that's pretty much the end of it. And uh, I mean, this whole thing, his whole argument against the paper is appeal to authority. Like these right. guys don't, don't, don't uh, line up to authority in science. Therefore there's, there's, you know, research is bunk, not addressing pretty much a single thing mentioned in the paper. I don't think, wow. I'm, I'm very disappointed. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it, it doesn't surprise me. It, it's literally just, uh, <laughs> you know, it's nice that he started out uh, his uh, article saying, you know, I'm just a, a non, you know, science reporter, but I, I talked to somebody. What qualifications do I have to write about a scientific paper? None, really. But you know what? I'm going to try my honest best to do this. And then boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> no, no appeal to the actual research, uh, building straw men's across the article and you know, other logical fallacies like appeal to uh, authority no matter what. So, yeah, eh, I don't know. It's kind of a <laughs> kind of a useless article. This person it is. I was uh, kind of disappointed. But, you know, that's not to say that the research is more fringy than what normal science folk would like to suggest. But. Yeah, if you're going to tear it down, actually address the, the points that were made in the paper or claimed in the paper. Don't take straw men. Don't just uh, push your own agenda. Right. Um, and, and, you know, you can kind of I'm, I'm scrolling through the actual article here, uh, the actual research paper. And, you know, they're making some arguments based on some evidence. And it's not it's not entirely void of, uh, you know, some proofs. And and they're very complicated proofs. Not not saying that it's all true. I'm just saying that there's there were you know there's plenty to actually address if they wanted to really tear down uh, what was claimed in this this research paper. Right. But you know what? It goes to show that there's no there's no consensus uh, even amongst the scientific community. And anytime you try to appeal to some kind of elitism, uh, you're you're appealing to scientism. You're appealing to the scientific elite. As opposed, it goes right back to that division, scientific elite versus conspiracy theorists. And that's where they're trying to draw the line with all of this. And when, when any tie, any kind of cross pollination occurs, we must take it down before it's too late, you know? Yeah. And the biggest, the biggest problem with this article is, you know, you have a team of scientists of whatever, of, of, I'm not even going to vouch for these scientists. You know, this guy doesn't, uh doesn't believe that they have the 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 prerequisite uh you know whatever uh trophies on their wall for this guy to believe them um but the problem is like you said he didn't actually refute any of the evidence or ideas that are presented in the paper and the the problem is that uh 
as I will, I'm going to read this um, short paragraph from an article we're going to read next, but it sums up the whole problem, which says here in 2019, telecom executives gave U.S. congressional testimony that they have no scientific evidence that 5G is safe. This is one of the many reasons why American opposition to 5G continues to increase. And that's the whole thing. You know, there's this article, this team of scientists that say 5G is unsafe. 5G is not safe. 5G is bad. It's going to, you know, it may contribute to, uh, you know, COVID-19 spread and creation. Um, and the problem is that this writer doesn't come out and say he, he has nothing to say but to attack the scientists, uh, to build straw men and to use other logical fallacies because um, it, because it's right there. There is no official scientific evidence that says 5G is safe. And so he doesn't have any actual science or uh, evidence to come back and say, no, 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 no. See, it is safe because of this. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> they, they had to stand in front of Congress and yeah. say that they have no scientific evidence that 5G is safe. Yeah. And that's the problem. That research doesn't exist. So you can't refute scientific claims that uh, claim the opposite because you have no evidence that it's not true. And so that's why all of these uh, art and, and a lot of articles read the same as this one. You know, articles have been written about this particular paper that came out and that's what they all do. Nobody uh, has any evidence to uh, to present that says that 5G is safe. And that's the problem with this. Yeah. And again, I, I'm not even t- technically landed on an idea, on a, on a conclusion. Right. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. I want to well, see the science, but, yeah. uh, but one thing also occurred to me and I want to keep this in mind, um, when it comes to 5g stuff, you know, we've been experiencing, uh, articles getting put up and then taken down and then put up and then taken down. And they're all articles that go against conventional wisdom. And we've seen it with uh, the CDC. We've seen Mm -hmm. it with the HWO, you know, Mm -hmm. coming out with different uh, articles and papers and statements regarding coronavirus. And they'll put them up for a day and then they'll take them down and then they'll, they'll back, they'll backpedal. And they've all done it. CDC, HWO, NIH, they continue to put out these little breadcrumbs that uh, bolster, you know, a fringy uh, point of view, and then they take them down. And that's kind of what I see happening here with this article getting put up on PubMed, you know, put it up and then take it down. I think there is a potential that this is all part of a psyop to propagate these type of resistances uh, in order to, you know, continue to divide people, continue to foster uh, division between people who tow the party line and people who, uh, you know, have an alternative facts or however you want to put it, you know, this has happened way too many times. And every time it happens, it strengthens the alternative view. Um, yeah. on a lot of these quote unquote scientific, uh, you know, uh, truths. 
And so I don't know. It's happened way too many times and they're way too specific. And uh, it's a pattern that's been going on for months. And I think that there's a potential here that this is a a purposeful psyop going on to keep division, uh, to keep, you know, fringy people going down a a trail of breadcrumbs, Uh, you know, whether whether or not it's the truth. But it's certainly it only feeds in to the the fringy people's, uh, uh, you know, ideals that these articles and statements will come out by official authorities that uh, reinforce the alternative ideas and then they're taken down and hidden and and you know it starts a whole new cycle um of uh, fervor for propagating you know these these other things going on the alternative to the the official stories i don't know it's happened way too many times it's happened at regular intervals and uh, I don't know exactly. It might be a psyop. It might be the truth trying to come out and, and continuing to be stifled. Um, but it's highly suspect, in my opinion. It's a hybrid right. war. Uh, the, right. uh, the, the, the discussion, there's a part here from the actual paper that uh, says our results show that by decreasing the wavelength waves emitted from towers and 5g and higher technologies could have more effect on evolutions of dna's within cells this is because because dermatologic cell membranes act as an antenna for these waves they are built from charged particles such as such as electrons and atoms and could emit or receive waves on the other hand an antenna could only take waves in which their lengths are not greater than its size. Thus, a cell membrane could take millimeter waves in 5G technology. These waves could pass the membrane and interact with biological matters within a cell. So a lot of coulds there. No <laughs> like hard conclusions, just showing some, some research. But I think you're right when it comes to fostering that uh, opposition. This is clearly, it, it really does seem like a divide and conquer methodology and you know the truth is always used a little bit to uh uh as a way to uh, garner that kind of movement you can't right. just lie and lie and lie you're going to have your group that's going to just believe the lie without any kind of uh you know critical thinking but for those that do kind of think on their own they need incentive and this definitely the, the type of publish put away publish take away that kind of thing definitely creates an, an incentive to believe that side of things, which I think, you know, I really think it was started off big time in our era, at least in the last few years with the banning of Alex Jones. I think that started mm. the whole, I, the whole concept of creating a new political movement. Yeah. And I actually think the Q anon thing has something to do with that too, by the way. Yeah, but, oh, uh, totally. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, keep moving. I, this, I've got another 5g uh, article here that will, eh basically state a lot of the things we just stated, but uh, also some hope for the anti-5Gers. Okay, this is on activistpost.com, which is a pretty, I don't know, interesting little uh, outlet here. Um but uh, this article is titled Aloha Yay! Hawaii County Passes Resolution to Ban 5G Until Studies Show It's Safe. 
And then we'll start out here. In 2019, telecom executives gave U.S. congressional testimony that they have no scientific evidence that 5G is safe. This is one of many reasons why American opposition to 5G continues to increase. State representatives in Hawaii have introduced a bill to ban deployment until studies show that it's safe. Hawaii County commissioners introduced a resolution to ban it for the same reasons, and it has now been passed. And they've got the uh, documents there for us to look at. The majority of scientists worldwide are actually opposed to 5G until studies show that it's safe. Cities and entire countries have taken action to ban, delay, halt, and limit installation, as well as issue moratoriums. American opposition to deployment is not limited to biological and environmental risks due to increased radiation emissions. Federal agencies have warned that it can threaten national security, public safety, and weather forecasting accuracy. That's interesting. I hadn't heard about the weather forecasting accuracy, although not much could uh, make weather forecasting less accurate, but... (laughs) If it gets any less accurate, it's going to be worthless. Engineers have warned that 5G can overheat base stations. 5G base stations use two to three times more energy to operate than 4G base stations as well. 5G will also generate enormous amounts of e-waste, which experts say we have too much of already, and that's 82% of it isn't being recycled. Um, Oh, there you go. That's the end of it. So there are... uh, counties and states across the world who are banning 5g and this was an opportunity to uh re you know uh, bring up the uh, topic that there is no scientific evidence to that 5g is safe which is an unfortunate scientific conclusion for those trying to push it we're all moving to hawaii that's right all right (laughs) cool so i think that's uh that's enough it's all 5G the five G stuff. Yeah, the, it was a big topic, but uh, I think I think we get the drift here. Uh, something fun here as we move into uh, some more of the COVID stuff here. Science is truth. Science is truth, but you know what's not truth is baseball. <laughs> There's footage of uh, uh, Daddy Fauci throwing out the first pitch last night. Did you see this, Basil? <laughs> I only saw pictures. He is as accurate as his predictions. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's out there. His pitch goes wide left or right, depending if you're the catcher, it's wide right. M- misses the misses home plate by, oh gosh, 15 feet maybe. And he's probably, <laughs> he's at least 10 feet short when the ball hits the ground. Yeah, I saw it's that. A, uh, <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's brutal. It's pretty bad. uh, i also saw some pictures of him in the stands you can tell you know he's wearing his mask even though he's 60 feet away from the catcher um (laughs) which you know there's no reason to do that by his own admission he's he's social distancing well but then there's pictures of him up in the stands uh during the game with his mask off while he's got people sitting in the the seats right next to him yeah it's supposed to be his family but uh yeah uh, pretty funny if you, well, if you haven't checked it he's out. He's the one who said you got to wear masks in your own home. Right. I know. Because <laughs> you can't put your family at risk. And there's him not wearing masks. You know, I did see a, uh, I saw somebody put together a video montage of Fauci throwing this pitch and then some old video footage of Trump throwing a pitch. 
the first uh, pitch. Yeah. Yes. And uh, his his was pretty good. It was, it was uh-huh. straight. It, it went right into. It, I think it bounced, but uh, yeah, got well, into the it's, catcher's it's glove. It's hard to throw a baseball, you know, from a from a, a league sized mound. What is that? The, How far is it? I I don't know. Someone in the I think chat it's sixty would know. feet. Is it sixty? Yeah, yeah it's, it's not an easy thing to do. That's why you know. That's why you need professionals. But that was certainly not uh, not a not a good try there, Fauci. I think the uh, catcher. You can kind of tell the catcher is like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny too because the catcher is not even wearing any protective gear. No, I've I maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it's been a while since I've watched a whole lot of baseball, but. You know, even on these ceremonial first pitches, usually the catcher is still wearing his gear just to not yeah. insult the celebrity <laughs> pitcher. But he just doesn't even care. Maybe no, he's a closet. No mask, uh, no nothing. Oh, this guy's not even going to get close to me. <laughs> okay. I just thought that was fun. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Let's get um, into, uh, you got something else to say about Fauci and his, no, and his no, arm? No, let's keep moving. <laughs> We're taking things that are genetically modified organisms and we're injecting them in little kids' arms. We just shoot them right into the vein. Right into the vein. Right into the vein. Right into the vein. So creepy. That's right. Um, so here's a little story. This is kind of a, a continuation of our exploration of possible um, vaccine uh, administrations coming up into the future. Obviously, the United States government has paid a, a, a pretty penny to secure hundreds of millions of doses of unproven <laughs> vaccines so far. And, yeah. and and one of them specifically was when they bought 500 million of uh, oh, which one was it? One of the vaccine companies, they pre-ordered a half a billion uh, yeah. vaccine uh, dosages, which is a, a little under half. I'm sorry, a little under double the <laughs> the American <laughs> population. Uh, population. So we thought, well, maybe we need multiple doses. Maybe that's why they're buying so much. Well, here we are on FoxBusiness.com, article titled, titled Bill Gates, Multiple Coronavirus Vaccine Doses May Be Needed. Oh, there we go. In an interview with CBS Evening News' Nora O'Donnell, Microsoft co-founder and billionaire philanthropist Bill Gates said it is likely that an effective coronavirus vaccine will require multiple doses. Quote, none of the vaccines at this point appear like they'll work with a single dose, Gates said. Quote, that was the hope at the very beginning. Maybe one of them particularly in the second generation will surprise us. We hope just two, although in elderly, sometimes it takes more. And so making sure we have lots of elderly people in the trial will give us that data. Oh, yikes. <laughs> we need more, more elderly we'll start people. With you, Bill. Shoot them up. It's yeah. and which is a weird thing to say because it's it's really dangerous to test uh yeah. anything, especially vaccines on elderly people. So he's yeah. saying here we need to put more elderly people in danger. <laughs> The article continues, he noted that to block all transmission of the virus, there needs to be 70 to 80% coverage globally. Gates has Gosh. previously said the global effort may require up to 7 billion doses. Oh, well, geez. that would make complete sense since there's over 7 billion people. Uh, oh. During a House subcommittee on oversight and investigations of the Committee on Energy and Commerce hearing on Tuesday, Merck's executive vice president and chief patent, or, sorry, chief 
patient officer, Dr. Julie Gerbergink. Gerberg. Oh my gosh. Okay, here I go. Gerberding. Gerberding. Gerberding said that there may be even more than one vaccine needed, depending on how well higher risk populations like the elderly respond. Quote, at the very beginning of the vaccine development, we tend to study vaccines in the people who have had the great who have the greatest likelihood of responding to the vaccine. But we do need to understand what will happen with these vaccine vaccines in older people. Gerberding said that's one of the reasons why I think we are going to ultimately end up with more than one vaccine. The first vaccine might not be the best vaccine for seniors or for children, so we need to have additional studies to really define the value in the highest risk population uh, and the safety in those high risk populations. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's not much else to say about this. It's there's uh, just still about half of the article left, but um, they kind of just go vaccine to vaccine and say how we're going to need so many vaccines to survive this one, Gons. <laughs> yeah, so so let's compare what Bill Gates says here about uh, 7 billion vaccines and multiple doses in old people. And let's compare it with this, uh, with this little story that I found here. Do I have this up? Hold on, let me see if I... Oh, I think I do. Okay, here we go. Vaccine. 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 CBS12.com, iTeam. Oh, wait, no. This is not the one I'm looking for. <laughs> nice try. You, uh, you, nice try. You came I, at I it confidently. I know. I, was, I came at it strong. I thought I had it. Okay, hold on. Let me see if I, I don't have it here. All right, here it is. This is actually CGDev.org, the Center for Global Development. Okay, this is not a fringe website. This isn't some fringe blog. This is the Global uh, Center for Global Development. Title of the article, Vaccine Preliminary Results. Here is why we need to exercise caution. Much of the discussion around society's ability to return to normality after the COVID-19 pandemic has centered on the development of a vaccine. This has led to unprecedented collaboration and investment. Vaccine candidate developments for COVID-19 is progressing faster than for any other pathogen in history. Governments, pharma, and foundations are all pouring hundreds of billions into the science, which has hastened discovery and development. There are currently more than 200 vaccine candidates being pursued in 30 different countries, mostly based on one of seven different development approaches, though there are a few complete outliers. Each candidate is scientifically unique and could potentially play an important role in battling this deadly disease. As vaccines complete the different phases of development, preclinical phase one, phase two, phase three, regulatory review and license, results will be published in the scientific literature and announced to the public through the media and press releases. We are currently working as a part of a larger group to interview experts and give better guidance on the timelines and probabilities of success for a vaccine against COVID-19. In the meantime, it is important not to read too much into early stage results. This is why. Uh, and it goes into some of the, the, the reasons for the phases and how they're not necessarily going to uh, uh, you know, yield the kind of uh, end result that they're hoping for. Um, okay. And it says here, results can be slanted. People tend to work on projects they believe in both because it is unusual to commit large amounts of time and energy 
to projects that they think are doomed to fail and because optimism bias leads people to believe that their projects are more likely to be successful than is actually the case. This means if you ask people how likely their product uh, product is to succeed, they will likely earnestly overestimate their chances of success. This optimism is compounded by several uh, by strong incentives to release promising results. Companies are not obliged to announce interim results. They do so usually to impress shareholders and investors. This is true for all research, but uh, but particularly right now as investors and governments make huge decisions quickly, such as the very recent $2 billion funding announcement for Pfizer by the U.S. government. This leads companies to tend to accentuate the positive. Governments right now are also under incredible pressure to convince their citizens that they are doing all they can to end this crisis and that the hundreds of millions invested in select candidates were worth it. They are thus incentivized to promise results. Indeed, the media are biased towards definitive headline-grabbing clarity, not the incremental caveat-laden reality of scientific progress. And uh, what they're doing here is, um, well, let me just read the numbers here. Of the 1,838 industry-sponsored vaccine candidates that completed a phase one trial in the first two decades of this uh, century, 1,517, that's 82.5%, continued on to phase two. But of those that cleared phase one, less than 40% were eventually approved. Progression to the next round of research and development should not be a surprise. Yet when the 20th of July Oxford and AstraZeneca result, uh, released early stage results from their phase one trial, more than half the UK's national newspapers ran the story as their lead article the following day. Only one did not declare it a breakthrough with several stating with confidence that we are likely to have a vaccine by Christmas. Similar fanfare had happened when uh, other candidates have released interim findings, like when Moderna released findings on the 14th of July. We've covered that here. What, what, so what the, the, this group here, the CD, uh, CG dev are trying to do here, they're trying to uh, interview, they're trying to create some kind of process to streamline all this, which I, I kind of commend, I guess. Uh, but it says here, leaders, governments, pharmaceutical companies, and the media are not only overstating likely scientific success, they're also overstating what success means. First-generation vaccines are usually replaced by better second-generation vaccines because unknowns are too great to create a highly effective vaccine on the first attempt. It is for this reason that the U.S. Food and Drug Administration is only requiring that a vaccine be 50% uh, effic- oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking on the word, efficacious, efficacious in order yeah, to be approved. Right meaning that it has the chance of contracting the infection, but likely more than halves the chance of uh, the chances of dying from it. Indeed, many experts we have spoken to suggest that this is likely as good as we will get for the first generation vaccine. While there would be uh, benefits to a vaccine with 50% efficacy, it's a far cry from the 70 to 80% efficacy that it is thought we need to uh, obviate the need for social distancing. Uh, let me skip to the bottom here. Uh, when leading vaccine candidates start to fail, and some almost certainly will, it has the potential to undermine credible science. 
Worse still, there's a chance that in our haste to develop a vaccine, we buy and administer a suboptimal or even unsafe candidate. We are deeply worried that this would augment distrust in vaccines that has long been increasing in high-income countries. thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, and then a couple more points here. Uh, with uh, We need greater clarity and better reporting standards. With roughly 200 candidates in the pipeline, we believe we need a standardized reporting template all journal editors and manufacturers agree on, and ideally an independent process for reviewing the data as they come out. At the moment, it is very difficult for policymakers, investors, and the general public to understand what's going on. This is a case where regulators and payers ought to come together with scientists to follow and comment on results and set reporting standards in the process. Regulators must demand standardization in trial design and reporting, in testing protocols, thresholds, and regents. This would help give everyone a better sense of what is going on. We also need better clarity on how governments assess where to put their money based on some sort of scientific committee to evaluate probability of success. And later it says here, we are interviewing vac uh, vaccine experts from academia, industry, and government in order to generate estimates for the probabilities of success and timelines around COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, and then later here, this is kind of the, the main point, the last paragraph of this article. We are only halfway through the interview process, so it is too early for us to release any preliminary results, holding to their, uh, their own standards of telling the scientists and the governments and everybody coming to conclusions too hastily. Uh, but it says here, but what we can say at this point is that the interviews thus far suggest that the best vaccine candidates have at best a 50% chance of success. <laughs> so there you go. They're clearly telling us that the best of the best that to come out of this will at best have a 50% chance of success. But uh, that's not good if we're issuing 500 million vaccines, you know, doubling yeah, up on that, people. Yeah. Maybe that's why they did so many is because they know they're going to need to, you know, well, maybe they know giving gonna, them because they're not going to work. Well, the, yeah, but I mean, it's just so crazy to contrast something like this where they're, they're obviously they're trying to approach it with some kind of common sense mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to Bill Gates saying like, right. oh, we need more old people. We need, we need seven billion doses. And it, it's just very strange how all of this is taking place. So anyway, I, just, I thought it would include this because uh, th again, this isn't some kind of, you know, crazy fringe thing. It's just, it's an actual, you know, center for global development saying themselves that according to their reports right now, interviewing all sorts of people, less than 50% effective yeah. for the first round. There you here, go. So. There you go. Well, we'll keep, uh, keep track of that, but kind of related guns, you know, we might not need a vaccine to be all that, uh, to be all that effective because uh, I got a little bit of news here for you. Hit me with that COVID jingle. COVID. Hey. 
This is on CBS12.com, local CBS station here. I-Team, deaths incorrectly attributed to COVID-19 in Palm Beach County. This has obviously been uh, something that's been floating around in different areas of the country. And uh, everybody who listens to this show is probably already aware. But we got some solid numbers for you here. In West Palm Beach, Florida, a 60-year-old man who died from a gunshot wound to the head. A 90-year-old woman who fell and died from complications of a hip fracture. A 77-year-old woman who died of Parkinson's disease. These are some of the deaths in Palm Beach County recently and incorrectly attributed to COVID-19 in medical examiner records. The CBS 12 News I-Team uncovered several examples in medical examiner reports of people counted as a COVID death who did not die of COVID. We requested a list of all COVID-19 deaths in Palm Beach County from the medical examiner's office and received a spreadsheet of 581 cases. Each person on the spreadsheet is someone who tested positive for COVID-19. In each case line, the person's cause of death and contributing causes of death are listed, if there are any. The I-Team found eight cases in which a person was counted as a COVID death, but did not have COVID listed as a cause of contributing cause of death. (laughs) Sorry. Quote, I think it is completely misleading, said Rachel Ede, a Palm Beach County resident who who has been researching the same issue. Quote, we need to remove these cases that are not COVID exclusive, and we need to be giving people that information, said Ede, who is one of the plaintiffs suing Palm Beach County for its mask mandate. She said of the 581 deaths on the spreadsheet, only 169 deaths are listed as COVID without any contributing factors. Governor Ron DeSantis said in a recent appearance on Fox News that his office is aware of deaths incorrectly attributed to COVID-19, like the case of a man in Orange County who died in a motorcycle crash but was listed as a COVID death. Quote, I think the public, when they see the fatality figures, they want to know who died because they caught COVID, said DeSantis. Quote, if you're just in a car accident and we have had other instances where this is no real relationship and it's been counted, we want to look at that and see how pervasive the issue is as well. The I-team took our findings to the Palm Beach County Medical Examiner's Office and Operations Manager Paul Petrino said the eight we flagged were in fact errors and should not have been on the spreadsheet. He said uh, the office is in the process of removing them. We asked Petrino if these erroneous deaths were reported to the State Department of Health and counted toward official COVID death counts. And he said the DOH should have caught the mistakes and not included them. (laughs) So there you go. Some more hard evidence. You know, I thought this was interesting. This was a and this is one reason why I think the answer to a lot of our media problems are going back to paying attention to local stations local news stations because you know there's a number of these local news stations that are doing really good work um you know and and a lot of the work they're doing is counteracting the you know the large scale mass media getting put out there even by you know the national cbs remember this is cbs news you know the cia broadcasting system uh this is uh a, a local station so you have a little bit less you know 
of the uh, the overarching domination plan being sort of uh, transmitted directly to them. And so I think this I think uh, local news is going to be I think that's where the future of news is going to be. Uh, because, of course, CBS, they're, with their logo, their all-seeing-eye all logo there, are uh, one, you know, technically on the left-leaning end of the mainstream media, towing the uh, COVID will kill us all, wear your mask uh, storyline. But it's these, uh, these little local teams who are pointing out the, the issues. And, uh, you know, if it's happening in Orange County, Florida, you know it's happening in every other county. Well, you know what you know what they say. Hmm. Snitches get stitches. <laughs> somebody's gonna lose their job or yeah, be found in a parking lot. In yeah. Uh, one more COVID story here, just real quickly, and this has something to do with the moolah. COVID. This is from Reuters.com. Fed's Main Street lending inches up as balance sheet holds above seven trillion. Seven trillion, Basil. The that's U.S. A lot. Federal, yeah, it's a, it's a lot, lot. The U.S. Federal Reserve facilitated another two million uh, in emergency loans this week to U.S. businesses. Struggle two million? That's it. I wonder if that's supposed to be two billion. Two million doesn't seem like enough. Anyway. In emergency loans this week to U.S. businesses struggling to survive the coronavirus-fueled recession, while its overall asset portfolio showed modest growth for a second week to hold above $7 trillion. Uh, data released Thursday by the Fed showed the loan balance under its Main Street lending program rose to $14 million on Wednesday from $12 million a week before. When the, oh, okay. Okay, all right. When the central bank acquired the first loan originated under a facility that has taken months to roll out. The program designed to assist small and medium-sized companies hurt by the coronavirus crisis has had a sluggish start, and the Fed has faced criticism from U.S. lawmakers for the weak uptake so far. The Fed recently adjusted the term to allow nonprofit organizations to qualify. The Fed's total balance sheet rose by $6.1 billion to just over $6.101 trillion as of July 22nd. It was largely largely due to the continued purchases of treasuries and mortgage-backed securities aimed at keeping financial market conditions easy. These were nearly offset by a drop in foreign currency swaps with other central banks, which fell to their lowest since mid-March at just under $122 billion. Uh, I'm not going to read the rest here. But basically, uh, despite the recent lull, analysts at TD Securities said it in a note they still expect the total balance sheet to hit $9.4 trillion. By year's end, and eleven trillion by the end of next year. Oh my gosh! Oy. Keep printing That's that money. Crazy. Keep yeah, printing that money. Yeah, money. Money, money, money. Printer go brr. Yeah, brr, brr, brr. Yeah, I don't have it all pulled up, but you know, I figured okay. you you uh, didn't want to see that again because it's. I can't. I can't take it again. Not again, Gons. All, <laughs> all right, right. A couple well, more quick uh, ones before we break. Yeah, I got a, a couple quick ones, some fun ones here. Let's uh, talk about deep fakes for a second. We are in deep fake. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, and for those who've been watching the show, you know this, but if you're new, deep fakes uh, are on the rise. That is the digital uh, manipulation of videos to make people uh, in videos do and say things that they never did. But uh, this also is creating or is currently creating and will continue to create uh, sort of a, a real uh, problem in mass media because uh, e even now you shouldn't believe every video that you see online and unfortunately that idea has not quite sunk in um, videos uh, using you know technology what that's called deep fakes you can make any person say or do anything you want and just because there's video evidence does not mean it's real but that creates a situation where you don't know what you can trust. Can you trust any video? Can't you trust any video? Uh, the human eye, usually, I mean, the technology is getting to the place where just a regular human, even those who are pretty good at spotting fakes, are having trouble doing so. I'm over here on Forbes.com. The article is titled, Deep Fake Nixon Video Discusses a Moon Landing Disaster That Never Happened. Woo! 51 years ago this week, the first moon landing took place. Two astronauts from Apollo 11 walked around on the lunar surface for a couple of hours, changing space exploration forever, comma, Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. That was my, uh, that was my own allegedly. Most mm -hmm. people around the world accept this statement as truth, but there has always been an underbelly of society who wrongly... <laughs> <laughs> they put that in parentheticals Yeah, uh, who wrongly think the moon landing in 1969 never happened. Whoa, whoa, bro. Okay, settle down. A new project shows the danger of how easy it is to spread fake news through the power of a video related to the first moon landing. President Richard Nixon famously had a draft speech prepared by aides in case Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin never made it back from the moon, dubbed the disaster speech. It includes the famous line, fate has ordained that the men who went to the moon to explore in peace will stay on the moon to rest in peace. Ooh, good one. Luckily, Nixon never delivered that speech because the astronauts arrived home safely, but a group of researchers decided to create a deepfake video that convincingly, terrifyingly, shows the U U former U.S. president giving that speech in the full glory of 1960s-era television. The footage is false, but shows just how hard it is to ferret out fake videos from real ones. Um, how long? It's only 47 seconds. You want to play it, Guns? Yep, I got it here. And it's showing uh, Nixon sitting down. Good evening, my fellow Americans. Fates has ordained that the men who went to the moon to explore in peace will stay on the moon to rest in peace. Yeah, wow, that's it. Yep. Oh, wait, I think there's a little bit more. Uh... Yeah, I, it's I, they kind of it's kind of a weird video. They kind of for every human being who looks up at the moon in the nights to come will know that there is some corner of another world that is forever mankind. Good night. <laughs> Dramatic Great. pause. I'm, I'm super excited we did that. Okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> Quote, media misinformation is a long-standing phenomenon, but exacerbated by deepfake technologies and the ease of disseminating content online, it's become a crucial issue of our time, stated Fox Herald, director of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, that's MIT, uh, Center for Advanced Virtu- Virtuality. Ooh, Advanced Virtuality. The team at MIT created the video using a voice actor and a company known as ReSpeecher that can make synthetic speech by implementing deep learning. This is an artificial intelligence technique that mimics the connections in the human brain to process information and create patterns for a network to make decisions. Another company called Canny AI used, quote, video dialogue replacement techniques to imitate how Nixon moved his mouth and lips in real life. The Nixon deepfake is meant to provoke a wider reflection, not only on how fake news influences our decision-making, but how artificial intelligence is already used today to curate news and to deliver customized ads for consumers. Reading online content. Quote, this alternative history shows how new technologies can obfuscate the truth around us, encouraging our audience to think carefully about the media they encounter daily, added Francesca Panetta, the center's extended reality creative director. Whoa, cool title. Extended (laughs) Extended reality reality. creative director. (laughs) Wow. Extended reality. That's like uh, alternative facts. Yeah. Uh, in the same statement, a new 30 minute documentary explores blah, blah, blah. Then they use it as an ad for a documentary about deep fakes. Um, if you're interested in that, what is it called? Let me pull it up real quick. Uh, oh, it's on Scientific American. Da, 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 da. Nope. Sorry. They made it too hard to get the name of their documentary. I can't share it. Um, yeah. So there you go, guns. They're, they're having fun having fun with the conspiracy theorists with these deep fakes and you know what's funny is they think they're being they think they're being smart they think they're being coy sarcastically or ironically putting out this uh, nixon deep fake about the moon landing but certainly as enough time passes and the connection to this experiment, uh, you know, the, the gap becomes wider and wider. That's definitely going to be used for in future uh, conspiracy theory circles as evidence that the moon landing did not happen. And well, I just can't wait for the day. <laughs> well, there's a, you know, the, of course, the, the conspiracy side of things can say that, no, this is the actual footage and they yes, had to make it deep, sound like right. it was a deep fake to make it, you know. But the, the other thing is. Yeah, the footage uh, leaked. So they had to say it yeah. was a deep fake. Yeah. The, the other side of things is that any footage that is older, you know, mm-hmm. like a little more grainy is going to be much easier to make fake. Yeah. I kind of feel bad for the next generation. They're going to look at all this old stuff. They're not going to know if it's real or not. You know, it's just going to, uh, it'll just become more and more prevalent. And, um, it goes along these lines of, uh, the lines of this next story here. We are indeed fake. And this is <laughs> still like that jingle. The hill.com <laughs> Senate passed defense spending bill includes clause giving DHS cyber agency sub power. And this is kind of a longer article. <laughs> what a weird way to say that. Subpoena power. How would you say it? Subpoena. Subpoena. <laughs> That's how it's written. That's how it's spelled. I know. Subpoena. I know. But... Or poena. Subpoena. Yeah, it is. 
It's one word. It's subpoena. All right. It's a silent B. No, I like yours better. Subpoena. Okay. The the Senate version of the annual National Defense Authorization Act, NDAA approved Thursday, included a raft of measures designed to shore up federal cybersecurity, including a clause giving the Department of Homeland Security, DHS, cybersecurity agency, subpoena power. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, <laughs> this the provision originally introduced by Senate Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee Chairman Ron Johnson and Senator Maggie Hassan in December would allow DHS's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Ag- uh, Security Agency CISA to issue subpoenas to internet <laughs> services providers, compelling them to release information on cyber vulnerabilities detected on the network of crit- critical infrastructure organizations. And uh, let me get to the part here that, uh, yes, I have stuff highlighted here. A clause meant to address the threat of a deep fakes or media mm. altered by artificial intelligence to show distorted events was also included in the Senate's version of the NDAA. Oh, Bipartisan measures would require DHS to conduct an annual study on how deep fakes are used by foreign and domestic groups and ways to fight back against the creation of the video. Fight back the creation of the video. That's pretty intense. How would you do that? I have no idea. By, with a subpoena power. A subpoena. Um, that's basically the story. I don't want to get into yeah, all of it here. No, but that's, that's interesting. Uh, pretty intense here. So they're fighting back against some of this. And um, it'll just be interesting to see how they, how they attack this. Because, you know, that, that would mean that this group here that did this last Nixon video, that they wouldn't even be allowed to do it. Yeah, well, it's or interesting. Have with that, doing it. I thought that was interesting with that video was they didn't label it. They didn't put a, you know, they didn't put a watermark or anything that said um, this is fake. They're probably hoping it goes viral to well, be that's like, look what at those I mean. crazy conspiracy it, it, theorists. That was irresponsible. They're trying to make a point about how deep fakes are going to ruin truth on the internet, and they put out. I mean, again, like I said, once enough space. Uh, you know, in time and space uh, comes between, you know, this article and that video still existing. There'll be no reference to the fact that that is a deep fake. And, you know, they should have, that was irresponsible of them to not put a watermark over it that says, this is fake. This was for an experiment, Uh, you know, whatever. Cause that, that clip will get loose and it'll be totally disconnected from the fact that it's a deep fake. That was very, those people should be punished. I mean, that was, that was media manipulation right there. They should be subpoenaed. Another interesting thing to connect here uh, mentions the NDAA, and that was the uh, bill signed in 2011 by President Obama Mm -hmm. um, that has all sorts of nasty things in it uh, that are a threat to Americans. Um, but so, you know, the Portland, the federal officers scooping up people and putting them in, uh, rented yeah, wasn't minivans. That, uh, wasn't that allowed because of the Obama stuff too? Exactly. Same, same I, NDAA, did, right? I did, I did some digging yeah. under mm-hmm. what, you know, what exactly, you know, what legal structure do they, are they claiming they can just disappear people like that? Right. And they're doing it through the NDAA, which is uh, it's very much a Guantanamo Bay style um, article with 
uh, and when I say article, I mean a piece of the NDAA uh, legislation that they legally, the feds can disappear these people and, you know, not give them a due process, not give them anything. As long as they are considered a threat to national security, they can basically Guantanamo Bay those protesters. Um, yeah. And when I when I say that, I mean that in the sort of uh, metaphorical sense, I, I doubt they would actually get sent to Guantanamo Bay, but they can be held indefinitely uh, without charges being brought to them. And they they have no legal rights because they're which considered is, domestic terrorists, which is something to bring up when a lot of the uh, lefty liberal types are saying Trump, the totalitarian, look at him making people disappear off the streets. The Fed is out of control, and then you can an say, Obama "Yeah, era legislation Obama allowed it." Yeah, yeah. And then they'll I say, see some but- people. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. No, You're okay. scared. I didn't have a point after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people in chat are mentioning the Patriot Act. NDAA is basically uh, the Patriot Act on steroids. It was yeah. sort of Patriot Act 2.0 that included um, some updated uh, definitions and extended. Uh, abilities for the government to detain pretty much which, whoever uh, they want. Which I think the Patriot Act, Patriot Act with all, was also supposed to expire in uh, March of this year mm-hmm. and was extended because of, of the, the Rona virus. So. Right, right. Oh, of course. Yeah. They needed a reason to extend it. Yeah. Well, you know, guns, this is all making me very tired, so I think we should take a quick break. <laughs> quick break, all right. It's break. Take a break, everybody. Okay, thank you very much for being here. We're just going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere, though, um, because stick around for a couple minutes after uh, the break. We're going to be talking about the Raelians, <laughs> or at least that's the jingle we're going to be playing. Uh, but we got some uh, extraterrestrial news. Um, we've got some extraterrestrial stuff in connection to bacteria and viruses. We've got some UFO news. We've got some blockchain stuff. Uh, all sorts of good stuff you want to stick around for for the second half of the show. Um, but before we get on with that, I want to thank some of our new Twitch followers, Gons. Yay. Um, and twitchy uh, twitchers. yes, the twitchy twitchers. Now, I wasn't going to mention anything, but people were mentioning it in the Twitch chat and they were a little surprised how the Twitch viewership has fallen a little bit. Um, yeah. So and it is we're, we're dangerously close to going under the threshold of viewers that we need on Twitch. So wherever you're watching, if you're over on YouTube, uh, Periscope, Facebook, wherever you at, uh, if you want to do us a favor and also get a shout out. Please head over to twitch.tv slash canarycryradio. We're trying to hit some goals over there. And uh, you, dear listener, are the only one who can help us hit those goals. So again, uh, Gons, if you want to drop that link in the chat to make it easy for everybody, just go ahead and head over to twitch.tv slash canarycryradio. Make an account. You can't use your Facebook. You can't use your Google. It's a beautiful thing. You got to make a new account. And it uh, gives you a chance to make a cool uh, uh, cool fun username that we get to uh, read out on the show and gons when your dingers ready i've got a few people to thank dingers ready Uh uh-oh this is very strange you know it's it's been doing this thing where it will double up on people we've already given a shout out to but i'll just move fast um and we'll make it work are you ready 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 f paco javier thank you very much Yeshua Hashmi 
Yeshua Hamashiach? Yeah, it's not spelled right, but yes, that's who it is. We also are giving another shout out to Basil's favorite cat. Thank hey. you very much. Tryman 1961. Tryman, the three man. Yeah, Paul Allen Music. Sounding Rain. Gigi and Kitty Jack. Patrick is a monkey. <laughs> Shano Vision. All right. And uh, Onenin Zero. Onenino. Yeah, okay. Um, and that's it. That's all of our new Twitch followers since last episode. Thank you very much for following. And if you haven't quite done it yet, you need to follow us on Twitch. Make sure to turn on notifications. It's a If nothing else... Well, Gons and I would prefer that you watch on Twitch if you care what we think at all. Um, but if not, I do suggest following us over on Twitch and turning on notifications. Uh, they seem to have a little bit more of a robust notification um, system. Uh, we we have heard claims that uh, those who follow on Twitch will get notifications uh, about us going live even when their YouTube notifications aren't working. So it's just a good idea because you never know when YouTube will completely uh, uh, let us go. <laughs> just let us <laughs> drift off into the internet wilderness. Um, but so far Twitch is holding strong. So we appreciate that Twitch and we appreciate everybody who's coming over and following us there. Um, and you know what? I, Gons, I've kind of been enjoying this uh, one break uh, thing we've been doing so i'm assuming we're smushing the breaks together again this uh this yes. show okay yeah that's kind of what the uh idea is yeah let's do it then. Shows here. yeah so on top of that we want to thank uh some new producers of the show if you don't know we're a value for value system here which means we don't believe in gaining your trust and your attention and then turning it around and selling uh you to a corporation for our own personal gain. Just doesn't really sit right. We believe that's uh, one of the biggest problems with the internet and media today is uh, the the frantic uh, scrambling to obtain and keep advertisers, which then puts you at the financial whim of those advertisers who can cut you off uh, at any moment for doing something that's not brand friendly. I think I'd like to think that we're more or less brand friendly, except for when we speak the truth, Gons. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, so, in that case, we rely on uh, faithful and generous listeners uh, who, you know, we used to ask for donations, but we, we realized that that's not really what's going on. This is the real world. This isn't some, you know, video game. We're not playing The Sims here. Uh, this is real life, and this is a real show, and those who help financially support the show, just like the rest of the real world, they are producers. So, we want to Thank some of our new producers as uh, as I, I'm so ecstatic at our new producers, because uh, if if you remember last show, we really had a sad showing of producers. It, it made us very sad, Gons, um, just not even 
not even because of money reasons, just, you know, when no producers come in, it's like, oh man, does nobody think we're doing a good job? Does nobody care about what we're doing here? Um, but I got to say, you guys made up for it this show. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm over here on patreon.com slash CCNT for Canary Cry News Talk. And Gons, when you're ready, I'll let you know about our new producers. All right, I'm ready. I have the gong ready to go here. <clears throat> okay, we got, uh, first of all, thank you, Courtney, producer Courtney, coming in. Very good. And we got an upgraded producer, and that is Valerie. Thank Valerie. you very much, Valerie. Valerie you know, I like to say it because, uh, you know, it's it's great getting what? new producers. It really means a lot. Um, oh, but yeah. when we have a producer actually upgrade their current support, that that that's even better. I mean, that's better. That, that feels really good. You know, you're already in there, you're already supporting, you're already a producer. And then you decide that, uh, it's worth the extra couple minutes and extra couple bucks to come in and, uh, and tell us again, how much you appreciate what we're doing. So thank you very much, Valerie. Um, I want to thank new producer, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Matt. Mr. Matt. Matt H., you're the man. And then we've got uh, producer Baji. Baje? Baji. 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 Thank you, Baji. This is all on Patreon uh, CCNT? Yeah, this is all CCNT Patreon. It's amazing. Um, And then one last one, uh, producer Patreon Account of the Year. Which is pretty funny. You are the Patreon account of the year. Thank you very much. Um, so those are all producers who came in at patreon.com slash CCNT. Uh, it really warms our hearts. I couldn't believe it, um, the way you guys responded. So thank you very much. Now I'm heading over to uh, patreon.com slash canarycryradio. Um, and again, right at the top of the list, Patreon account of the year. Thank you very much, Patreon account Double of the year. Up. Yeah, doubling up. So cool. Um, Oh, then it got kind of sad. Deletion, deletion, deletion. Okay. Well, thank you, Patreon (laughs) account of the year. Making up Uh, for all the pain. That's right. We appreciate it. Now, I did, Gons, um, I did get a note from one of our deleted uh, Patreon members. You're cutting out a little bit on my end. Uh, I don't know what you said there. Yeah, but you're, you're back. I'll try again here. I got a note from one of our uh, our deleted producers from last week, and okay. they said, "Oh, I wanted to get off of Patreon. You know, I, I know I deleted. I got wanted to get off of Patreon because I'm going to be sending you guys Bitcoin every month." And I said, Ooh. "Oh, cool." Um, so cool. I did not respond to your email, um, and he they specifically said they didn't necessarily want a shout out. Uh, so I will respect that. Um, but thank you very much, producer, uh, for explaining yes, that to it. me. It did take away, uh, oh, just a nominal, nominal amount of sadness that I felt to see all those deletions. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. That's cool. Um, hold on. I'm having some computer issues over here, making sure the chat is still rolling. Okay. Okay. Yep. While you pull up uh, PayPal, I will let everybody know that, you know, if you don't like Patreon, like this, uh, this one producer... That's okay. We have a uh, website called canarycryradio.com slash support. Uh, Canary Cry Radio. 
patreon.com slash That's right. And if you don't like Patreon, a lot of people don't like Patreon, and that's okay. You can head to canarycryradio.com slash support. We've got PayPal options. You can do a, a monthly recurring uh, support amount, or if commitment's not your thing, you can come in with a one-time donation, um, as well as cryptocurrency and a bunch of other fun stuff. So make sure to check that out, canarycryradio.com slash support. And Gons, who's coming in on uh, PayPal? PayPal. Let me just, uh, I'm just making sure updated here because there were some new people on the Patreon. So I want to make sure there's no one new. Actually, there is someone new. That's good. Yay. Okay. So we have, uh, first off, let's see, Spears Desert. Ooh, Spears Desert. Thank you. Coming in with a gift and a, uh, a producership and cool. also a new recurring supporter or a producer joe thank you joe producer Producer joe Joe. okay and we also have uh tracy tracy thank you very much tracy and also lynn Lynn Lynn. very much leadership wow and uh, yeah very cool and i i just checked the the ledger nano s where we accept our bitcoin and we did get that bitcoin gift so thank you to thank you very much producer um wow well thank you so so much everybody that was uh, a, a wonderful surprise a wonderful showing people who care about the show and who uh who are not just sitting back and letting the sort of evil economic system of advertisement and uh and uh what's the word i'm looking for um 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 shoot corruption. what's that what corruption yeah, I mean, there's that, but complacency. <laughs> complacency. You know, people are okay. becoming complacent with advertising, and you know, maybe people don't care, and that's okay. But for me, I really do care. I don't like the idea of your attention being monetized and commoditized, turning your um, attention and your time into uh, money, accepting brainwashing, like like receiving actively and enthusiastically accepting brainwashing as to, uh, you know, negate your own responsibility to um, continue and support the things that are valuable to you. Um, you know, I, I try to pay as many creators online as I possibly can uh, for their work personally. That's my personal choice yep. um, because that's just, that's just the right thing to do. Not in any sort of like, these people work hard. We should give them money. It's just, you know, if for my own uh, mental health to reinforce the idea that I am not a commodity, my eyeballs, my attention are not a product uh, to be, you know, manipulated into income for somebody. It's, it's just a powerful thing. Um, and, and, you know, it's good for your mental health too. So you start yeah. to, you start to remember that you and everybody else are actual human beings with souls um, instead of just some sort of money machine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm definitely subscribed to, I think, I think the number is like 12 
12 or oh, 13 yeah. different Patreon yeah. accounts of others. And you got to you know. support the the people. You got to yeah. support the people doing the good work. Um, and and, and uh, least of all, because, uh, you know, they're being demonetized and deplatformed, much like we luckily have not been deplatformed, but certainly demonetized. Um, yeah. So there you go. Thank you very much, everybody, all our new producers. And uh, please, we encourage everybody. We'll be back on Monday uh, sometime between noon and 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, consider us. Remember us. If you got a few bucks and you want to rebel against the economic system of this world and tell the devil who, who's boss and, uh, you know, really take an active part in increasing the quality and integrity of the uh, media that you consume uh, and others consume, please consider becoming a producer of the show at patreon.com slash ccnt or canarycryradio.com slash support. Canarycryradio.com slash support. Very good. Okay. Now, there's other ways to become a producer of the show. One of them is to create show-themed art, show-related art. We love our artists. Uh, they're very good. I just did a big post on Facebook. Uh, make sure to follow us at Canary Cry Radio on Facebook, where I post all the art, um, and those artists are lavished with love and affection. Um least of all from me, but also from other uh, listeners and producers and guns who ooh, show burps are coming in strong. Who do we have today? Okay. We have uh, a couple returning artists, producers of the show. Beautiful. Uh, first we have Garrett. Garrett who, uh, sent us in a space odyssey. Very nice. Uh, uh, I can't read the text there. Hold on. That's very cool. Yeah. It's a very, uh, Looks like um, I don't know how to explain this. It's like it's, a it's digital, but uh, yeah, it's like a, a foreign. It's like a planetary landscape with little. Uh, it's kind of done in like an oil painting style. There's a big red moon or planet and a, a lonely astronaut standing there, and it says a space odyssey. The tales. Oops. What does it say? The tales of Basil and Gonza's oh, excellent so. adventures yeah. among the stars. That's right. Very good. Yeah. Oh, very cool. It's kind of got like a high art feel, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. Some real cool. Renaissance type stuff going on there. Very good. Thank you very much, Garrett. Very cool. Uh, we will put this uh, on the collection. Remember, everybody, you can also find the art at CanaryCryNewsTalk.com along with the show notes and everything else. Who's next? Yes. And, of course, Gazel and Bonds. Gazel and Bonds. Uh, Allie, thank you very much. Our a free, free hand. Prolific, prolific freehand producer. pencil artist. Yes, and um, uh, she seems to like drawing Basil. That's true, and, and uh, cats, lots of and cats. cats too. Yes, yeah, uh, I like it. She did have a face like the sun one that we might share uh, in a future episode. Oh, here, you but should. One. Oh, I forgot. Have we not shared that one yet? We I don't think we've to. shared. Yeah, we have that a couple more in the excellent. bag here, so we'll, those will come in the future. But uh, this one, it goes back to uh, a couple episodes ago where Basil is, I guess putting together some, I think, I think you're sewing or uh, knitting yes. some pants or something. Yes. When I was 38 minutes late for the show and you asked if I was knitting my pants, 
which was just a crazy old man thing to say. Um, but uh, Ali sent in a picture here. It's of me uh, trying to knit some pants and uh, these cats were making it very difficult. There's a cat rolling around on the pants I'm trying to knit. And uh, I'm, I've got my headset on there and I'm saying, please, the show's in two minutes. I have to finish my pants. <laughs> and yes, yeah, so I think that's a pretty good uh pretty good depiction of, of what that was yeah i feel like the number of cats appearing in these pictures just keeps growing and i support <laughs> it i support it and i love it thank you very much gasoline bonds uh, producer ally there yes and well, all the uh little box of letters from marry me basil is there yes too. oh always making a, just always, always, a reference. <laughs> <laughs> always yeah. making an appearance yeah it keeps getting bigger too okay Awesome. Thank you guys for the, uh, and gal, uh, for the producerships and, and the artwork. And, um, you know, there's one more thing I wanted to mention briefly here, and I will leave a link in the chat and maybe in the description. Uh, but all of the stuff that we show here on the browser is uh, at least for me, I'm using something called the brave browser. Have you used the brave browser, Basil? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, if you watch ads on the brave browser you actually get paid with bat token the basic attention token mm-hmm. and it's uh it's a way that people have supported uh face like the sun instead of just um uh you know sending me paypal or some other way on patreon uh they've sent me bat tokens which they earn by mm. using the the brave browser and so you can earn uh bat tokens using brave and um, it's just a, you know, it's just a different way. It's the future, you know. It's uh, it's created by the guy who uh, invented JavaScript and like invented Firefox, and now he's created this thing called Brave. And uh, yeah, just just another option if you are uh, you know struggling and you want to try to make some money, uh, some passive passive income. This is not going to like make you rich or anything, but yeah, if you're it's sitting an interesting there on, way to monetize your own attention. Right, right. Yeah. And then you can use those tokens to support other people uh, or you know anything you want to do with it. So right now, I think the basic attention token is worth about 25 cents or 26 cents right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can earn it. And uh, yeah, just again, just another way to, to uh, monetize your own internet experience and as a reciprocal way to support others in the process. So cool. brave.com slash FAC922 is my affiliate link. Oh, yeah. To the Brave browser. Yeah, why don't you post that affiliate link in the chat and stuff and put it yep. uh, put it in the show notes, everything yep. like that. Very good. Yep. We'll cool. be there. Um, okay, let me see here. I don't think, are we it? Is that it? Is that the end of the break? That's the end of the break. We got to kind of zoom through the last half here, but. Let's uh, do it. Oh, okay. we do have yes, to zoom. It's wake up time. Hey, yo, wake up. Okay. Wake up, Let's, wake up. Let's, uh, we're going to zoom then. Let's hear I'm on PRNewsWire.com. Raelians held first international online forum to discuss diplomatic protocols for extraterrestrial contact. And for the aliens, aliens, here we go. (laughs) Okay. A historical (laughs) event just happened before our eyes announced Daniel Turcati, Raelian guide and leader of the embassy for extraterrestrial progress project sponsored by the Raelian movement quote diplomats and foreign affairs officials recently attended our first international online forum to learn from our experts all the steps required to officially welcome human beings from another planet 
Interesting how they're assuming they're human beings. Quote, the main goal of this event was to inform diplomats and foreign affairs officials about this unique and ambitious project that could also bring wealth and scientific advancement to the hosting country, explained Turcati. We need to increase their level of awareness about the important issues of international law that should be resolved before any extraterrestrial contact before any extraterrestrial contact is made during the presentation and after introducing the subject and giving an outline on the project dr john h levy phd a world-renowned lawyer specializing in trans uh, transnational and private international law and stephen goldie a very experienced city planner outlined the legal issues raised by this unique and ambitious diplomatic and touristic project and as well as the steps necessary to make it happen. Quote, For decades now, Raelians have been canvassing countries to consider hosting an embassy for extraterrestrials, but in recent years, these discussions have been increasing in number and seriousness, said Turcati. Many countries showed a genuine interest in this very promising and important project. The presentation was very well received, and all the participants agreed that the diplomatic aspect of it is not only mandatory, but the priority. Quote, interest is growing as it becomes obvious that an extraterrestrial civilization is preparing our humanity for an official contact through an ever-increasing number of UFO sightings. Military reports describing encounters with UFOs and very complex crop circles all over the world, Turcati continued. It's just a matter of time before more diplomats and foreign affairs officials acknowledge this and advise their respective governments to care for a proper and formal welcome for an out-of-this-world civilization. We are aware that this is an important paradigm shift with regard to diplomatic relations defined by the Vienna Convention, and while the increasing governmental awareness is now obvious, we still have some work to do, Takati added. While some countries wrongfully anticipate an invasion by an armed extraterrestrial civilization and are preparing to go to war against them, we must offset such a primitive and dangerous position with a worldwide movement of peace to educate people and government officials that we can only benefit from contact with beings from beyond the stars, concluded Turcati. The Raelian philosophy states that an extraterrestrial civilization, referred to as Elohim in the original Hebrew Bible, created all forms of life on Earth, including human beings. We believe it is a very peaceful and far more advanced civilization compared to ours, both scientifically and philosophically, and that an official contact with our creators will usher our humanity into an era of peace and a golden age. Source, the Raelian movement. Now, for those who don't know, the Raelians, they've been described as a sort of cultish organization. They've been described as a cult, an <laughs> Only alien described cult. as a cult. <laughs> you know, I just I'm trying, you trying to, to you're trying not to cancel culture. The Raelians, I, you know, I just want to be very specific with how I speak. I don't know much about the Raelians. Um, I just know what I've been told. And when <laughs> when I'm told about them, they are described as a cult. Um and they believe, as was discussed at the end of this, that the Elohim described in the Bible are actually extraterrestrial aliens uh, who are, created us and are just waiting for the right moment to come back and, I don't know, give us chocolate or something. <laughs> yeah, more than chocolate. But you know what's really interesting is um, the 
the design of the logo of the Raelians, mm-hmm. uh, I think they updated it because it yes. used to be a, uh, uh, and we've talked, talked about this, not just mm-hmm. on this channel, but, um, it used to be a swastika, wasn't it? Well, there was a swastika inside of a star. I think they might've returned to that logo. It was a swastika inside of a star of David, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let me just pull it up here. And, um, this is one of those, you know, from the biblical perspective, this is a very alarming religious cult group, whatever, because they, they've been around for a long time, uh, since the seventies, I think. And they've been talking about, you know, all the different things that the world, you know, it is the one world religion type of situation here. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, this, uh, uh, this is a Wikipedia page just for, you know, uh, brief purposes, but it's a pretty long wiki page. Um, and, and within it, it says here that among those listed as prophets of the Raelians is the Buddha, Jesus of Nazareth and Muhammad with Rael being, uh, himself being the 40th and final prophet Mm-hmm. And it says Raelists believe that since the Hiroshima bomb of 1945, humanity has entered an age of apocalypse in which it is threatening itself with nuclear annihilation. It argues that humanity must find a way of harnessing new scientific and technological development for peaceful ends. And that once this has been achieved, the Elohim shall return to earth to share their technology with humanity and usher in a utopia. Now, here's what I find very funny mm. about this. These guys are supposed to be the ones that bring forth technological advancements, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, this, this press release said that they had um, a, a basically like an online meeting, you know, the right. first of its kind. It was a Zoom so the Raelians, so the Raelians are they're supposed to be the ones that brought forth this technology, but they're just now getting on zoom and using like voiceover IP to have meetings and stuff. I just thought it was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, in any case, these guys are, uh, they have a whole design plan for where, you know, the, the, the type of, uh, a building they want to have. And yeah, it's in like a swastika star of David shape. And, um, very much part of a, a theme that you can find on uh, age of deceit, fallen angels and the new world order. And that whole movement of, uh, you know, Jesus was just one of the prophets. Uh, he's a star commander, all that kind of stuff <laughs> star extends from this type of philosophy here. Right. And, you know, if you're not really, if you don't have your, some of your biblical doctrine straight, you can easily be pulled into this stuff, especially if you're trying to reconcile the ET phenomenon with the Bible. And I think if you're not uh, approaching it from a grounded perspective, you can be pulled away. And I wanted to uh, mention this because of the fact that, you know, the Raelians making headlines, well, not headlines, but just, uh, you know, having a press release and and trying to get out there again. It comes at a time when we have uh, a lot more talk going on in terms of aliens in general with the UFO phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm going to switch the order of the stories here because, uh, I wanted to get to this independent.co.uk article as part of a extension of this Raelian press release. You don't know what you're looking at. What's driving that thing? It's not a space alien. Alien. It's unidentified. Pentagon UFO unit to publicly release. Uh, hold on. Got the guy. Okay. 
Good to get the video out of the way. Okay, Pentagon UFO unit to publicly release some findings after ex officials says off world vehicle found. Ooh. Yeah, this was trending all over Twitter today. And of course, everyone's uh, the whole sentiment with the public on Twitter is like, well, we had the COVID, we had the BLM social unrest. The only thing left is aliens, right? Right. A Pentagon UFO unit will make some investigations public as ex-advisors suggest that, quote, vehicles not made on Earth were placed in U.S. government storage. The team will update the U.S. Senate's Intelligence Committee on its unidentified flying object research every six months, the New York Times reported on Thursday. Publicly named in 2019 as the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, the Pentagon unit succeeded in investigating UFO program that was said to have been disbanded prior to 2017. One former official, Eric Davis, told the Times that he briefed the U.S. Department of Defense in March about the retrieval of, quote, off-world vehicles not made of this earth. The Pentagon consulted and subcontractor said objects he believed, quote, we couldn't make ourselves were discovered during this time on the unit where he was uh, where he has worked since 2007. Whilst no crash artifact have ever been documented in public, Harry Reid, the former Democratic Senate majority, told the Times that he, quote, came to the conclusion that UFO materials were in the government's possession. Quote, after looking into this, I came to the conclusion that there were reports, some were substantive, some not so substantive, that there were actual materials that the government and the private sector had in their possession, said former senator for Nevada. It is not known what details the Pentagon unit will provide to the Senate, whilst, whilst acting Intelligence Committee Chairman Marco Rubio said last week that his priority was to uncover who was behind unidentified flying vehicles seen over American military bases. And we reported on that how he was saying, uh, it's better that they're aliens than the Chinese. Racist. Right. But uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting how it's it's becoming more and more... I don't know. It just seems like the disclosure is uh, reaching a, a type of level where, uh, you know, the governments are really starting to want to tell the public what's really going on here. And they're right. definitely hyping it by quoting these people talk about vehicles not made of earth and stuff like that. So uh, just something to keep an eye on here, especially again with the whole real, you know, if something like that is becomes public and, you know, they, they make some kind of announcement they can make this whole great deception thing happen without a UFO ever being like ever like landing on the white house lawn or anything like that. They can pull it off because philosophically it's going to start making all kinds of, it's going to make an impact on religion as, as a whole, right? Most people are going to have a philosophical or scientific uh, uh, argument to make that, Hey, maybe Jesus was just one of these aliens and Buddha and, you know, all religions are just based on the aliens that helped us in the past. And now they're coming back. And, you know, that, that whole philosophy, that whole narrative, the, uh, if uh, those of you are, who are familiar with the LA Marzulli, uh, sort of, uh, uh, I guess, understanding of the great deception being this great alien disclosure event, uh, as part of, uh, bringing the world together and all that kind of stuff, uh, it can definitely take shape. And it seems to be going in that direction somewhat, at least with uh, some of these claims that the UFO unit is going to, uh, you know, start reporting every six months what they find. 
and how they're just quoting in the New York Times. Of course, the New York Times being uh, the most trusted source for all information, <laughs> you know, now starting to peddle the, the UFO thing, too. So just kind of interesting to keep an eye on because, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a, an interesting mismatch or a mix of uh, a mixed bag of things going on that all seem to uh, confirm, quote unquote, this idea of uh, Project Bluebeam style revealing. And um, this other story that uh, you can get into, Basil, that relates to the virus, I think this is another type of angle here. Uh, now that we have this virus and now that the vaccines are going to kill half the population, you know, you got this, uh, this article from the dailymail.co.uk um, with other kinds of threats, extraterrestrial threats. Yeah, dailymail.co.uk. Could future pandemics originate in space? Human immune systems may struggle to fight off alien bacteria and viruses from other planets. Study warns. Our immune systems, along with those of other mammals, could struggle to fight off alien bacteria and viruses from other planets, scientists have warned. Experts believe that microorganisms could exist on other worlds and are looking for signs of them on Mars and the moons of Jupiter and Saturn. This life might not be as we know it. However, as alien organisms could rely on different amino acids, the building blocks of proteins, than life on Earth. Experts from Exeter and Aberdeen tested how mammal immune cells responded to amino acids that are rare on Earth but commonly found in meteorites. They found that immune cells uh, can react to unusual amino acids but in a manner that is considerably less efficient than their usual responses. The findings suggest that extraterrestrial micro Microorganisms could potentially pose a risk to future space missions and to life on Earth if brought back to our planet. The world is now only too aware of the immune challenge posed by the emergence of brand new pathogens, said paper author and microbiologist Neil Gao of the University of Exeter. Quote, we wondered what would happen if we were to be exposed to micro... Sorry, I had a glitch there. We wondered what would happen if we were to be exposed to a microorganism that had been retrieved from another planet or moon where life had evolved. Some very unusual organic building blocks exist outside the pl of planet Earth, and these could be used to make up cells of such alien microbes. Would our immune system be able to detect proteins made by these non-terrestrial building blocks if such organisms were discovered and were brought back to Earth and then accidentally escaped? In their study, Professor Gao and colleagues experimented with T-cells from mice whose immune systems work in a similar fashion to those of humans, exposing them to so-called peptides containing isovaline and two amino... Ooh, 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 here I go again. Two amino isobutyric acid. Ooh, yeah, thank you. These amino <clears throat> acids have often been found present in meteorites, but are comparatively rare on Earth itself, and therefore make a good stand-in for the alien amino acids that scientists think might be part of extraterrestrial life. Um, and the article goes on and on and on. But there you go. This is—I smell a setup here, Gonzo. Yeah, you know the whole idea of transhumanism being part of this narrative of like, Hey, we got to change our DNA. If we're going to go out into space and we're going to, you know, be able to withstand all these different unknowns. Right. But also bringing these, uh, alien bacteria back to earth. Very 
very convenient that uh, humans can't even handle the coronavirus. Mm. What are you going to do with the alien virus? We don't that's stand when, a chance. Uh, that's when the Elohim can show up. The Elohim. I'm doing air yeah. quotes. Yeah, uh, you know, if 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 coronavirus. Let's just use coronavirus as the stand-in. Mm-hmm. If coronavirus was discovered to have come from you know a meteorite delivering uh, alien amino acids that created a, a a disease that could not be fought by our immune systems, it would take the. Uh, the Elohim to come down and give us their alien vaccines. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's all that, and you know that that was sort of the theory that was presented in the the first Age of the Seat, uh, Fallen Angels in the New World Order about the mark of the beast and all that changing our DNA. It wasn't just in context of a human, you know, vaccine or a human type of situation, but more of this supernatural uh, entity that would present themselves or. What the, you know, what we would perceive, uh, not we, but humans uh, or mankind would be presented with this sort of alien entity type of person or being or group of beings or whatever, the beast, and how they would present a DNA change to be like them to withstand all these, you know, harsh genetic things that are killing us. Right. And so, uh, uh, Again, it just seems like the whole setup there, and it's interesting how that that narrative, which sounded so crazy, what nine years ago now, when the, the documentary came out, um, you know, now is just kind of like, hey, headlines. Let's let's change our DNA. Let's yeah. let's get a vaccine because virus and UFOs and aliens and aliens, and it's just uh, it's just crazy how yeah. uh, how quickly things change. Keep an eye out for it. Keep an eye out. Um, Gans, I I think maybe just paraphrasing the next three. uh, Yeah, I'm going to, I was going to do that. Just the headlines because uh, things are, things are happening here in the world of blockchain. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. This is crazy. Finance blitz. Finance dot yahoo dot com. (laughs) <laughs> PayPal is set to make cryptocurrency. Uh, uh, what? Let me try that again. PayPal is set to make cryptocurrency trading mainstream? Question mark. Booyah. Which uh, basically there was a rumor that came out that PayPal was working on some kind of crypto custody situation, and those rumors have been verified. Yep. So, so PayPal uh, will allow uh, crypto payments and wallets and things like that, bringing cryptocurrency more into the mainstream than ever before. And yep. then over here at USA.visa.com, advancing our approach to digital currency. Uh, nice little article, basically about Visa, also <laughs> including is, yeah. cryptocurrencies into their payment uh, systems as well. Which is kind of crazy because for the longest time, Visa, MasterCard, all these guys were saying, no, crypto is not even a real asset. It's, you know, it's not, it's, it's not legit. Nothing, we're not going to yeah. touch it, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden they're doing a 180 on it. Yeah. They're going, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to help, you know, people. And it's not just Visa because over here on CNBC.com, uh, it says here, where's the headline? MasterCard expands cryptocurrency program to allow more firms to issue cards on its network. So both Visa and MasterCard now 
getting into the crypto game, which is yeah, pretty and crazy. They're, they're also, you know, the cards, that's a kind of a different story because one of the key points here being MasterCard has signed a deal with Wirex that yeah. makes the London-based firm the first native cryptocurrency platform to gain principal membership, meaning that, uh, you know, you, you'll be able to pay with cryptocurrency just with your MasterCard. Yeah, and there's just been like some companies other doing that already. Play, you know, any other uh, currency. Any other currency or, you know, right now we have our dollars in, in our bank accounts and that's our, I guess, collateral. That's what we use as sort of the digital back end uh-huh. to anytime we swipe our card. But now what they're going to expand into is you can spend your crypto uh, through MasterCard. So right. very interesting. And then this news that also came out uh, regarding blockchain and Bitcoin and all that. This was kind of crazy. Forbes.com. Bitcoin meets banking as U.S. bank regulators permits cryptocurrency custody right so holy moly your banks are gonna hold bitcoin for you now yeah you can which hold is, all your bitcoin in your bank of america accounts which is both uh like uh, good in the sense that it's gonna you know push adoption but horrible because it goes against everything that bitcoin was really about with the whole libertarian movement right. and how you know this is uh, you're against the banks you can hold your own money your digital money anyway to hold and spend your own digital money the way you want to. Yeah, which and, is so but, funny because the whole point of Bitcoin was to not hold your money in a bank. Right. But now the <laughs> banks, but this is a way the banks are going to be able to get their hands on your Bitcoin or on any kind of digital asset, charge you for it, you know, but you know, they're going to have to do this. Otherwise they're going to become completely obsolete. Right. So of, of course they're going to do this. And, um, but you know what that means, Basil? No. Bitcoin go to moon. <laughs> Before we hit this last one here, Gons, because we're yeah. going to wrap up the show for time here. Um, you know, a lot of people had been uh, querying me, and I've seen it in the chat a few times about uh, there was a, a meme going around. There's a, a scene on SpongeBob. Are you, you aware of this guy, this little yellow lovable guy? He came out gay recently or something. Did he? I don't know. I, I think so. I think that. they announced he was actually gay. I'm which a little bit kind behind of... on my uh, SpongeBob news, but <laughs> I'd seen a meme floating around where in one episode, SpongeBob shows his driver's license mm-hmm. and the address on the driver's license allegedly is the address of Epstein's uh, house on his island. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. I haven't, uh, we're not talking about it cause I haven't looked into it. I don't know. Uh, a either SpongeBob's license could have been uh, photoshopped to, you know, create this, uh, this issue. Um, or depending on the, you know, I don't actually know when Epstein, uh, built, his little complex there versus, uh, you know, when SpongeBob came out, maybe Epstein, uh, you know, it's his own island. He can make whatever address he wants on it. So maybe he got it from SpongeBob. <laughs> I don't know. I hey, uh, just haven't looked into it. So for everybody w- wanting us to talk about it, I have no idea. I need to look into it. Uh, Snopes.com says it's false, so oh, no it's probably way. true. Well, the- <laughs> uh, is SpongeBob's home address on Epstein's pedo island? Yeah, uh, false. Oh, well, if Snopes says it, 
Yeah. Um, I, I don't have to read this, but. No, I don't know. Was, was, I was just bringing it up because I saw a bunch of people talking I just, about it. I just, I just want the Snopes logic <laughs> of like how they try to spin yeah, off what of is it, it, you know? What is their logic? I'm I don't curious. know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of. Uh, SpongeBob Epstein address coincidence, which Google appears to have removed as of this writing, seems to have been nothing more than a spoof. Post uh, positing a non-existent connection between two two pop culture figures, one a beloved fictional children's figure, and the other a real life disgraced sex offender. Wait, so are they calling it a coincidence? That's weird. Let me see here. That would be that would be go, very. See, my thing is what I wanted to do was go to the original episode. You know, watch it on the actual, you know, actually okay. watch the episode and and see if it was you know not a doctored. Uh, image of Spongebob's license and then look at the dates of when that episode came out look at the dates of the construction of the Epstein address etc etc somebody else could do this for me I would just love you forever (laughs) it says here the 124 conch or conch conch street address is indeed one that has been used in the fictional world of the Spongebob Squarepants animated series as the location of the bikini bottom pineapple house on the floor of the Pacific Ocean where SpongeBob SquarePants lives yeah. with his pet snail, Gary, blah, blah, blah. However, right. that address has no connection with the Caribbean island known as Little St. James in U.S. Virgin Islands that was owned by Epstein, at which underage girls were allegedly sexually abused. As shown in the post reproduced above, a Google search for Little St. James Island theme park did at one point return information displaying an address of 124 Conch Street Bikini Bottom as being associated with that notorious Epstein property in the US Virgin Islands. So it so I guess Google had, uh, it, connected. had it had it connected. However, as the Wall Street Journal had reported about it a year earlier, Google Maps and its online business listings have been highly prone to being gamed and propagated with false information for fun and profit. Huh. So there you go. False okay. because false. Snoop says it. Google. <laughs> well, that's it. Well, and you know, it's um, a lot of people aren't aware of this, but when it comes to addresses on Google Maps, um, yeah. those can actually be you. You as a person can uh, can petition to uh, add addresses where there were no addresses, and if you know, if if it's an island that has no actual addresses, you know, maybe it has a chance of getting through. So, sounds like a. Uh, you know, oh, taking the side, taking the side of Snopes, eh? <laughs> wow. Well, I don't know who else's side to take. It's just a <laughs> meme. Take the I side of the once. truthers. SpongeBob was on the island, man. I'm on the side of truth. Like I said, I'll have to go in and look at it myself. I've not had the chance to do that. All right. All right. And one last story here to wrap it all up, Gons. Uh, this is on WHSV. Hit me with that mommy jingle. Mother. There is no other like mother. So treat her right. Treat her right. Come on. Come on. All right, everybody. Here's our mom update. Gons, you will be uh, relieved to find out that the missing red panda mom found safe at Columbus Zoo in Ohio. Zoo workers in Columbus say a young red panda that went missing earlier this week has been found safe. Yahoo! Panda watch. The animal named Cora lives at the Columbus Zoo and Aquarium. She's disappeared 
from her habitat on Tuesday, but zoo officials said on social media Thursday night that two guests found her in a different part of the zoo. Because of approaching rain clouds, zoo workers tranquilized Cora. Oh, no. no. (laughs) Jeez. And brought her in for a medical evaluation. They expect Cora will be united with her cubs soon. She bailed on her cubs. Uh, Cora recently- She was forced back. (laughs) She's- She was shot, I gotta get out of here. Mama needs a drink. Yeah. Cora recently gave birth to two cubs who are still nursing. They're being hand-fed by zookeepers for now. The zoo said the red panda was not a threat to the public. They are gentle <laughs> creatures that mostly sleep in trees during the day. There you go. Panda watch and mom update there. Thank you, everybody, very much for... I wonder... Why, mm. why, okay, red, I, I didn't really know about, I'm not a big animal, I don't know all about the You animals, don't know about uh, red pandas? No, I've never really seen a red panda until I saw this article with the picture, and I was thinking yeah. raccoon. Yeah, they're like little raccoons. They're actually closer related to raccoons, but they're called red pandas. They also have a name, uh, Mario has a, a suit of a red panda that he wears that allows him to fly by wiggling his tail. Oh. Um, yeah, I forget what it's actually called. But uh, there you go. Red pandas exist, everybody. Wake up. (laughs) Wake up. Wake up, sheeple. Not all pandas are black and white. All right. There you go. All right. Anything else, Gons, before we end the show here? Uh, I think that's it. If uh, if somebody did do timestamps, please leave it in in the comment. Oh, man. I hope somebody somebody said they would, but. But uh, it, that would be very cool if they if you did. If not, it's okay. We'll we'll keep pitching it until someone does yeah, it for we'll us. Yeah, we'll keep hounding until too much, somebody starts doing it. So yeah, if you did uh, make us timestamps, thank you very much. Please, uh, you can send that information to canarycryradio at gmail I so hope to get that. <laughs> well, you can well you can just uh, post a comment on the YouTube channel, both uh, the Face Like the Sun channel and the Canary Cry Radio YouTube channel. And if that comment is there, I will pin it to the top so people can click around and okay. find the spots. Okay. There we there go. go. Okay, everybody. Well, thank you so much. Remember, we're going to be back on Monday sometime between noon and 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So make sure your notifications are turned on. And remember us for uh, all you potential producers out there. We really appreciate the turnout for this show and uh, we hope to keep it going. We understand that times are tough and it's tax season. And, and so, you know, it's okay. We, 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 uh, we for, forgive everybody. We don't expect Government anything. steal your money season. Yes, but we, we sure would uh, just be delighted to have some more producers to read off for next show. Remember, you can go to patreon.com slash CCNT for Canary Cry News Talk. We also have patreon.com slash Canary Cry Radio. Uh, thank you guys so much. And here's the thing. If you don't like Patreon, that's okay. You can go to canarycryradio.com slash support. Canary CryRadio.com slash That's right. And there you got PayPal options and cryptocurrency, all sorts of fun stuff. Now, remember to stick around. We got the Canary Cry mixtape coming up at the end of the show here. Um, And, you know, there's other ways to become a producer. One of them is creating art. If you made some art, uh, some show-related art, you can also send that to CanaryCryRadio at gmail.com. We'll show it on the show. You can be a producer. Thank you again. All of our artists today, Garrett and Allie, uh, you guys are the best. 
Did I miss anybody? I think it was just them. Um, we'll be showing some more of Ali's artwork next episode. Um, let's see. You can also become a producer by sending us jingles. It's been a while since we've had a new jingle. But if you're out there and you're a musically inclined person, uh, send us a jingle for something related to the show. Maybe we need a panda watch jingle. I don't know. Maybe we need <laughs> to track these pandas. What are they up to? What are they? <laughs> Why are they leaving their what children? What connection do they have to the elites of this world? Who knows? Only we can find out if we had a jingle. You can send that to canarycryradio at gmail.com as well. Thank you guys so much. But another great way to support the show, shoot, and I wasn't prepared. Oh, man, another broken promise. Sorry. I was going to read some reviews uh, from apple podcasts um but i'll have to save that for next week but please uh leave a rating and a review it's it's very important um it's hard to communicate just how important it is but the more ratings and reviews we have the more organic uh you know or quote unquote organic reach we'll get uh the itunes algorithms will send uh send other people to the show and let them know that they need to listen and that's that's there's nothing we can do about that guns that's the weird thing it's like out of our control completely it is entirely up to you the listener or producer uh to leave a rating and a review and uh our destiny is in your hands so please go to apple podcasts or stitcher or uh, all sorts of places where podcasts play leave a rating and a review super helpful um, and also remember to subscribe to the podcast. You know, I, I know a lot of people uh, just watch the live stream and that's totally cool. But remember, we put out a podcast version of every show. Um, so subscribe to it. If, if you ever miss a show, it'll be on the podcast uh, player there. And um, the sound quality is significantly higher um, and it, it helps us out in all sorts of ways for you to do that. So thank you very much. Um, But, you know, one of the best ways to help spread the show is to just share it with a friend. You got mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers. They're all waking up to the fact that the world is not exactly what it seems. And uh, one of the great ways to help them along, you know, it's you don't want to freak them out. You don't want to scare them and and (laughs) incur the wrath (laughs) of waking people up so much like that. Uh, Send them an episode of this show. We will just and lovingly guide them down the path of waking up uh, to all the things going on in the mainstream media and the world. And the way you do that is you just walk right up to them, you grab them by the cage, and then you shake it. The end of the world occurred pretty much as we had predicted. I want to shake things up, stir up some controversy, rattle a few cages. Hey, stop that! Don't ever silence me! I'm the last angry man, a crusader for the little guy! The human race will have every opportunity to improve. And if they don't? Ask Noah. Aliens. Right. Aliens. Ask Noah. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Thank you very much. Make sure to send an episode to a friend or family member waking up, and uh, we'll be here. We'll be here for them. Well, thank you very much, everybody. Am I forgetting anything, Gon? Do you have anything to, to add? Uh, we haven't had a night in a while, so oh, yeah. it would be nice if we can bust out the sword and katana again. Yeah. If anybody wants to be a knight or... Uh, dame, or a dame at the Canary yeah. Cry Roundtable. We'll table. have to recheck the uh, the current um, 
the current lists that we can get from Patreon and PayPal and stuff. But if you think that you've supported the show in the amount of $1,000 or more over the past 10 years or so, uh, send us an email. We'll, we'll check that out. And we would love to night and dame and welcome you to the Canary Cry Roundtable of Nights and Dames. And so everybody knows how cool you are. Um, yep. Okie and, dokie. Uh, one more thing, mm-hmm. just want to say thank you to all the people praying for us. I saw some people saying they're praying for us, and Lord knows we can use some prayer. That's right. That's absolutely true. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of Canary Cry News Talk. Again, make sure to tune in on Monday, the 27th? Something like that. Yeah, the 27th. Um, sometime between noon and 5 p.m. PST. Be there, be square, everybody, and we will see you there. Now, make sure to tune in next time to Canary Cry News Talk. But until then, think outside the cage. I want to shake things up, shake things up. I want to shake things up, shake things up. Leave the bird alone. I want to stir up some controversy. I want to rattle a few cages. I want to rattle a few cages. I'm the last angry man. You'll never silence me. I'm the last angry man. Oh, 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 I I'm the last angry man. You'll never silence I'm me. I'm the last angry man. A crusader for the little guy. Little guy. Little guy. Well, we'll see about that. Whatever, Illuminati. In the future, humans will be confined in a people's zoo. People, I'll keep you safe and Keep the cameras on